Wrestling Geeks Alliance. How you doing? This is Dane Owls, another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over the shows that we've seen. And this was a doozy of a show. Whether you were dancing the night away while fighting like Effie and Pimpinella and GCW or doing backflips as a fucking football player putting on one of the best matches uh, with on the same card that you had Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Or maybe, you know, you were just really pissed off at all your friends and, 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 and the, uh, the downward spiral of your career in AEW like Jay Lethal. I don't know what type of fucking WrestleMania weekend you had, but I had a, a doozy of a good time. And uh, joining me, as always, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, how you doing, sir? We're doing the show on a Thursday, right? Yeah, that's it. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a Thursday. It feels weird to be here on a Thursday, but... Uh... Holy shit, was that a lot of wrestling, Dane? That's the best way to put it. So uh, excited to break it down with you. Hope you're having a good week so far, bud. I'm having a great weekend. Tomorrow's Friday. Uh, just to let you guys know, we're just going to be having the one show itself. This is a big review over some of the, the highlights, I would say, of WrestleMania weekend and also AEW Dynamite. Um, but there will be no show this weekend. The reason why we didn't have one last weekend is we can't really do a show in between WrestleMania. That makes no sense. So strap in your seatbelts. It's, it's going to be a crazy, uh, ride, but, um, yeah, man. Uh, I think there was a lot of success when it comes to great moments this year, uh, in WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania weekend, I should say. And like I said, not just WWE stuff, Chris, but I found myself smiling, uh, for the most part, for a good chunk of it as a uh, wrestling fan and really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that I saw. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't think that there was any company that put out a bad show or not one that I saw. Everything I saw had some solid matches and some big moments and, uh, just a fun weekend of wrestling. I would say maybe a little too much <laughs> next year. I might have to dial down how much I'm consuming, uh, both beer and wrestling wise, but uh, it was all fun by Sunday night, man. I was, uh, I was pretty done to say the least. Yeah. You know, Chris loves, and I do too, but you know, he's, he's a daddy soda type of guy on the weekend. And I like to, um, I guess it's legal most of the time, but you guys can figure it the fuck out. So it's great having conversations going back with Chris when we're watching stuff. Um, let's start off, because I just thought about it, I just want to mention the the Hall of Fame itself. We'll just talk about uh, it overall. Um, and uh, we definitely have to talk about the Tony Robbins moment with The Undertaker at the end of it. Uh, but by and large... I really honestly think they should have just done The Undertaker this year. I think a lot of the other people kind of were pressed for time 
uh, because of how long the dead man was going to go on at the end. And it being Texas, it was great having fucking guys that should have gone in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, but for whatever reason, they were put in. And also there's there's Queen Charmel. Um, but, you know, my whole thing was I enjoyed it. Uh, Taker had a great speech. It was fucking long sometimes and meandered, but it was a good speech. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for everyone. I'm happy for Vader. I'm happy for the Steiner brothers. I'm happy for Queen Charmel. Um, that was a joke earlier, guys. So don't get, you know, don't get mad at me, but I'm just saying people that are not in the hall of fame that are females. We have Miss Elizabeth. Uh, we have Sable, and you can say what you want about them not being wrestlers. There still were huge names at that time period. Uh, Bull Nakano's not in. Um, like, I'm trying to think. There's plenty of people. Victoria, we talked about how would, it would have been great for, um, for uh, oh, man, Nick Aldis's wife. I can't think of her name right now. I'm, I'm blanking on it. Uh, Mickey James, how would have been great if Mickey got put in this year? So I throw a little shade. I'm glad that everyone from the uh the whatever the fuck the impact group was with her and scott steiner and booker t and the main event mafia i'm glad all of them are now officially in the hall of fame uh but chris just in general also the shag gaspar part was great too the 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 speech that the mom said to his son um good hall of fame what'd you think about it are you inspired by by, uh, mark calloway by any chance for his uh, <laughs> around the U.S. journey of uh, just having the mic next to his head? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, man, he went for a while. I don't remember pretty much like half of his speech, unfortunately, because I kind of started tuning out because, it, like you said, meandering a little bit. Not taking anything away from The Undertaker. Definitely deserved it. Um, I mean, it's almost like they gave him a hall of like a retirement hall of fame moment previously when the crowds were gone i thought that was actually a little cooler than this uh hall of fame induction if you remember that from i guess it was the start of covid uh which seems forever ago at this point but uh i think that was like to me almost a better ceremony than his induction speech um that being said the rest of this was great man it was fun seeing steiners get inducted and then come out and and you know, do their induction speech. It was really cool uh, seeing Vader. I thought his kid's speech was really well done. And the Shad Gaspar uh, thing had me had me a little bit teary eyed, but it was it was still great. Too. It, it was it was a fun I mean, it was fun. Um, I'm kind of on the same page as you. And also, like, I would rather have heard these other people talk a little bit more, <laughs> maybe because Taker went on forever. And uh, I don't know why they have such a hard time limit on that thing because it's not. Are they? They don't even show this thing on cable anymore, so I don't know why it matters. They could just maybe for the wrestlers, because and... remember Hillbilly <laughs> Jim's fucking thing a couple years back when everyone had to fucking do their shit the next day. God damn. <laughs> yeah, but half of his induction speech was just quoting Jim Ross's induction speech, so that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was super odd. Uh, maybe Undertaker was ribbing everybody. It was like, I bet I can go longer than Hillbilly Jim. Um, <laughs> How about as 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 weird and up and down the speech was, and some of it was really good, and some of it, you know, we, we talked about was meandering. It was a little bit Tony Robbins, like motivational speaker. But the ovation that he got 
I think the only thing I can think of if it keep on continuously going like that was when Roman got booed, what, after he beat The Undertaker the next night on Raw? And he ended up just saying, this is my yard now, and just slammed down the fucking mic because you could tell he was getting aggravated. Uh, Undertaker had the opposite concept of that. It was nonstop cheering, and he was milking up because he deserved it. Now, whether or not I didn't love his speech afterwards, it was meaningful, well thought out. It's just weird seeing fucking Undertaker doing that. But I loved the ending where he goes back up and you didn't realize that one outfit he's never worn before. And that matches his outfit. He puts the hat, he puts the hat on and he goes and he puts the jacket on. And he says, never say never. And Vince went, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> And then Tony Khan pulled out a checkbook and like was like, let's get this done, Taker. Hey, you could just go by the dead man. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, no, all joking aside, I mean, it was fun. Uh, for Undertaker's induction, I thought the, the, the COVID era retirement ceremony they did for Taker was, to me, was a little cooler with the holographic Paul Bearer and um, the video packages they put together. Like, I don't know. That's kind of what I expected this to be more like. And it was a lot of Mark Calloway talking. And he's done a whole hell of a lot of that recently. <laughs> it was like a, a one-man show, almost, you know? But, right. But it was, it's, it, this was better. This, is be, this was a better Hall of Fame class than we've had, you know, that comes to recent mind. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone was very deserving and, you know, I'll give the pass to Queen Charmel. I just, the only reason I bring that up is because there are a lot of great female wrestlers and great female people that were huge draws, even if they weren't wrestlers. Like, I brought up Sable and Miss Elizabeth. So it's like, at this point, I don't think Wendy Richter's in. I mean, as a celebrity, we always talk about Cindy Lauper. I don't know if Rockin' Robin's in, who had a bunch of great matches with Alundra Blaze, uh, you know, in WWE. I said Bull Nakano. Victoria, I'm trying to think of like other, uh, jazz is not in. So that's the only reason I, I, I give shade to that. And I think that you understand what I'm talking about. It's not that I don't like her. And there's nothing as her and Booker T. O. is happy. And like I said, the whole fucking main event mafia is in there, but it just, you know, it's, it's just weird. Their choice. Uh, maybe, they, maybe they're trying to find ways to get people multiple rings. <laughs> In case they have to get them back for another time, main event mafia getting inducted. Um, nah, <laughs> all, all, all joking aside, uh, I mean, to me, it, it should have been Mickey James. I don't know why they weren't able to work that out, but uh, it, she's the most glaring of people that have been left out, yeah. especially for that for that company. In the fact that they bring her back and at the Rumble, and they're like, "Oh, she's a legend," and you're like, "Is she?" Because you haven't put her in the Hall of Fame. That's kind of fucking weird. Yeah, I agree. And maybe that's really what it comes down to is I was expecting Mickey to get inducted this year. But, you know, it is what it is, brother, as Hulk Hogan has said many times in his career. Um, yeah. So the one person I'm wondering, she talked about multiple rings. Either next year or the year after that, I think Triple H should go in, especially when he since he left his boots in the ring. I felt even more bad for him throughout the speech with Undertaker when he got to him and they were talking about the end of the era and you can literally see it in his face. He's like, you know, it's just a realization kind of went off. Um, even for myself that, wow, 
Stone Cold is coming out of retirement to fight in his mid-50s. Triple H is done. The Rock, especially with his busy schedule, might have a match or two left in the tank. Undertaker's done. Sean's done. It's a, it's a, it's a shitty realization, especially you know for me and you that are you know our age. But I'd like to see Hunter by himself because he keeps on saying that he doesn't need to go in now that he went DX. Bullshit. I think Triple H, if it's not next year, it should be the year after that where he goes in. Um, I don't know if you agree with me on that, but I just think it makes sense. He's like the last big guy from the Attitude Era not left. Oh, besides The Rock. So one of them needs to go soon. I mean, almost do you put Triple H and The Rock into the same Hall of Fame class? I, I feel like they would, friend, they might have parallel. separate. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, but because of how big they are, you're, you're probably right. You could, you, The Rock could have his own damn Hall of Fame if he wanted to, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, Triple H <laughs> should be the next one to go in if they, if they, if he wants to. You know, that's the thing. They're, they're so weird about how long they wait before they induct someone. There's no real rhyme or reason. Like in sports, I think it's like 10 years. <laughs> you know, there's no rhyme or reason in WWE. Like you could still be an active member. They're probably going to put New Day in the Hall of Fame next year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could still be an active wrestler on their roster and get inducted. Like is Randy Orton going in? They're going to put Evolution in now that they got Cody there. Um, maybe, maybe his group, uh, I'm just kidding, but, uh, yeah, you know, Rick wants a third ring. He literally told, uh, Randy told a story not too long ago about Rick saying to him, so Randy, when are you going to tie it up so I can get that third ring? Woo. So he, he wants (laughs) evolution to go in. (laughs) So he can be the only guy with, I guess, three rings. I guess he would be right. Yeah. Yeah, Right now what he's tied with Booker has two. Sean has two. He's got Hogan two. Has two. X-Pac has two. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, action yeah. affiliations, but, you know, it's true. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, good times. I mean, it's always fun to watch. It's a, uh, I don't know, your mind gets so set on wrestling that the Hall of Fame being there is good because it's like a, it's a, it's a little bit of a break from wrestling, but it doesn't take you all the way out of the mindset. Cause once you start watching all these damn shows, it's, it's really hard to go watch an episode of like house, <laughs> like switching your brain off from, from wrestling to something else. So the Hall of Fame is as close as I could get this weekend to watching something slightly normal that wasn't wrestling. No, I completely feel you. I do. All right. Well, uh, let's get into I want to go over these two shows. I know that this will be out of order, but I want to go to the meat of the matter to end it, if you will. So let's start off. I'll kind of group a little bit of impact and then the stand deliver pay-per-view. We'll we'll kind of go over the card as a whole, but we'll we'll, we'll slow down on certain things like I usually do. But uh, first match, X Division match, Trey Miguel defeated Chris Bay. Jordan Grace, Rich Swan, Vincent, Willie Mack in the intergender Ultimate X match to retain the X Division Championship. It was a very short match for an X Division match. Um, but, you know, a lot of high impact stuff. I think that me and you were saying Chris Bay or Jordan Grace and neither of them won. Willie Mack didn't win. Trey Miguel actually Retained it. And, hey, man, there might be uh, room for your uh, one of your old uh, comrades to be uh, joining Impact soon. Um, 
we're not going to get into that, but uh, maybe Wesley or whatever the hell his name was uh, can, you know, I have no idea what I'm trying to say. But, yeah, just uh, I can't believe I'll just say it, Chris. I can't believe the X Division matches. It's like that they become like the Ultimate X matches that used to be really highlighted uh, in Impact. They become like the opener, if you will, in a lot of ways. And they're getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, that's true. It was it was cool to see Blake Christian on multiple shows, though. That was fun. Yep. Um, I solid match. I didn't think Miguel was going to retain, but I, that sets up what they had scheduled for Rebellion with him being in the triple threat against Ace Dawson and uh, Speedball Mike Bailey, who seems to be getting a bit of a push. A bit, uh, like he's. <laughs> it was a pretty short match for an X Division match, but they this. There's a lot of shit on this show, and also it was starting at 10 at night um, for people that watched it live, which I haven't met anyone that was watching this instead of the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. So if you're out there, please tweet me later because I, <laughs> I want to know what I want to I want to know what went into that decision making. Yeah, this was my Saturday morning along with uh, NXT and. There was some good stuff, but we'll we'll, we'll get into it. Next match, a uh, good grudge match, also a pretty short one. But uh, Mickey James and Nick Aldis uh, going against Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona. And, I mean, the biggest thing, it was it was fun seeing, you know, Nick and, uh, Nick and Matt Cardona are able to take their feud from NWA and bring it to this. I think Matt came with the internet title, the fucking Impact, and the NWA title, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then also Chelsea Green recently just screwed over Mickey James, but Mickey James and Nick Aldis, uh, got the win. And I was kind of surprised about that. I thought the heels were going to go over and, uh, that didn't happen, Chris. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we're not done with this storyline between Mickey no. James and, and Chelsea. So it's, it makes sense that they get a win here in the intergender tag match. Uh, Cardona and... Green have been doing kind of this thing where she ends up hitting him on accident. So I feel like I've seen this finish a lot recently, but uh, it was fun seeing the double cloverleaf submissions get the win. And I guess this carries on over to impacts going forward as well as uh, NWA. So look out for that. Like Each, I always say, man. Th- Sorry. Both of these opening matches were kind of fluff before they got into like the what I like to consider the wrestling ass wrestling matches, <laughs> like the one yes. we're going to talk about next. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, so um, yeah, that was a pretty good match. And hey, Impact Multiverse of Matches. I mean, they really are. If <laughs> if there's a company that really is the forbidden door itself, it's Impact. I mean, even their one of their fucking championships was around the waist of an nwo wrestler or nwo nwa wrestler like mickey james who was in the royal rumble in wwe so they are legitimately the the uh the door itself if you will for a fucking promotion and they were trying to go for that i'm glad that they were able to take a lot of guys you know kind of put them in here like ishii like nick aldis so it was fun uh fabi apache you know and we'll get down to that but uh the next match 15 minute Really fucking good match, man. Um, Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Alex Shelley, and it makes me think, Chris, because of the way that he's reacting to it. Maybe I was right. Maybe Alex is kind of getting a little dark. Maybe he's going to blow up on Chris Saban and join the the uh, X Ring of Honor people, whatever the fuck uh, their group is called. Because 
I mean, is this similar to what they're doing with Jay Lethal in uh, AEW? Or, like, does he want to let people over? I remember you messaged me saying, I wish Alex Shelley cared about professional wrestling. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know if this is a part of a storyline or if you're correct, where he's like, I'll just put this kid over. It's fine. But it was a good match. <laughs> Alex Shelley's had himself a hell of a month. <laughs> <laughs> with those two tag matches against the Bully Club, him and Saban, uh, the match against Jay White and this match here, they all of those matches were phenomenal. Everyone knows I'm a big Motor City machine gun mark, and uh, the only thing about Alex Shelley is he goes through these phases where he's going to have all of these great matches and then just disappear. So that's what I, what I mean when I say I wish Alex Shelley cared about professional wrestling more because um, – yeah, I, I mean, if he disappears from here, at least we got to see some good Motor City Machine Gun and Alex Shelley matches. That's that's always a good time. But uh, they did have him acting as a heel in this match throughout the entire thing, so you could be onto something. And I don't. Does he go on or no more, or does he join the Bullet Club? Oh, Saban's the odd man out. Like, is he going to show up and wrestle at G One, and maybe? They're going that route where he's going to join the Bullet Club. I mean, he's been over there before, so I I don't. Know I what like that doing, idea better. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, much like that idea. Instead of uh, him joining Honor No More, thanks for helping me with the name of that because I did not remember. Um, yeah, this next match I don't remember at all. I mean, I do, but we have the influence: Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood, the Women Impact Champions, are uh, knockout. Tag team champions um, going against, and they had Caleb Boudicay, and he was involved with some type of hijinks through it, distracting, but somehow not having his women uh, lose because of that. But uh, Tosh Steels and Savannah Evans, uh, Giselle Shaw and Lady Frost, and then Decay, Havoc, and Rosemary. And we, I really thought it was either Decay or I thought it made a lot of sense to just shower Miss Tasha Steels, who's doing an awesome job right now with gold, uh, but they just kept it on the influence. So I guess they're going to go against the Iconics. I don't care. Like, <laughs> like you completely have made, and I mean, it has been for a while, but since Decay had him, I think, uh, just making the women's or the Impact, uh, de- God damn it, knockouts, tag team champions kind of just in the background. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um- they seem like they're giving Decay a bit of a push on the TV show, though. So uh, maybe they're the next people to pick up the titles. I was surprised they didn't win them here, honestly, just because of the past. Uh, I, the impact right before this, and I know these are sometimes taped out of order. They, I don't know, they did a lot with Decay to try to make them look like badasses. Didn't Rosemary win the Battle Royal on that show? To set up yep. her versus Sasha Steele. So I kind of expected more interaction between those two groups. And I guess there was a little bit. They had like a brawl towards the end of the match, um, which led to the finish. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's the reason they didn't go with either of those tag teams is because they're locking up Steeles and Rosemary for a while in a feud. And if that's the case, it's fine. It's uh, I don't know. They Like you said, they don't pay much attention to this women's tag titles and that's unfortunately seems to be the case in any company that has women's tag titles yeah no i agree with you um just kind of like that 
a lot of times, and I mean, they have a bunch of people, so just popping it between the influence, and I know they have a new name, but uh, the Iconics just going back and forth just does not seem like it's working. But you know what worked, Chris? A match between Tomohiro Ishii and Eddie Edwards. Hard-hitting. I mean, you know both these guys can fucking work. And Eddie Edwards went from a very, very good like mechanic, technical wrestler, to now just being this guy that can go back and forth from that, from brawling. And those he's got big hands. He's like Kenny Omega, man, with those chops that he's got. Still wish we got a match between the two of them when uh, Kenny was an impact, but oh well. But uh, this is a good match, man. And uh, Ishii, you know, powered up and defeated the evil Eddie Edwards um, and won. So... We're going to see this uh, reoccurring theme with uh, Japanese wrestlers from New Japan uh, beating people a part of the roster. This one wasn't for a title, though, but, uh, you know, good stuff, right? It was a good match. It was a lot of fun to watch. I like both of these cats. Um, it's weird they're setting up Ishii versus Jonah at Rebellion. Like, I thought that was kind of... <laughs> like a weird... Did, I did, that's what they have for that pay-per-view coming up, so that's kind of an odd choice. I mean, it should be a fun match. Uh, there was one spot in the match where Ishii hit a shining wizard and then like a lariat right after that looked fucking phenomenal. Uh, so just, good. Just so good. This match was so good. I don't know. There's, uh, there's so much to talk about. I, I know we can't get into every detail of the match, but Holy shit. This was a, this is one worth going to watch on this pay-per-view. I thought it was really, really great. Yep. I agree. All right. Um, next, we had a match with Josh Alexander and Jonah uh, going against Moose and PCO. Once again, PCO just likes to get destroyed in matches. I want to see the match with him and Sting, the last man standing match. You, you've you've turned me on to that concept, Chris. But uh, it's very surprising. Uh, Josh Alexander and Jonah won. And I was also surprised that they put this match down the card. I mean, I know that we had three pretty big matches back to back to back, but Moose is your champion and he's losing against the person he's probably going to inevitably lose to with Josh Alexander. Um, you know, and they're not the main event or even the, the semi main event, but, uh, this is a, it's an interesting match. Uh, do you think Moose and PCO is the most oddball fucking tag team of all time? Yeah. The, well, both of these tag teams were a little oddball for me, especially with what Josh Alexander is doing on their television right now, where he's yeah. literally just destroying people because he only wants to fight Moose. It kind of, uh, if you're trying to build to the pay per view, maybe you could have done without this match. Honestly, yeah, I, I don't. I want to keep them away from each other because we all saw Josh Alexander. He's pissed because Moose speared his fucking wife, and the week before that was a creepy ass showing up at their house. And talk to their son about his dad and shit. So he wants to kill him. Why the hell would you have like a little small whatever tag team match? Just put PCO and Jonah on again. And let them have some moment backstage where, uh, what's his name? Um, comes up and he's like, you guys can't be around each other. Go in the room. You over here. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Scott, Scott Demore. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, it was, I get what they're trying to do and. I mean, the, the weird thing about this is this match in particular is one that is all impact people. It doesn't even factor into the multiverse. 
So it's kind of like, well, what the hell was the point of that match with what you're trying to accomplish on your television show? But it's impact going to impact. You got to think yep. that these things, they don't, <laughs> they don't necessarily just like most of these Japan guys are going over, but the real story is supposed to be honor. No more is taking over impact. And it's like, not really. I mean, if anything, they're not even the on this, the bullet clubs kind of taken over, but if we get into that, we're going to be talking about impact impacting for, for a while. I didn't get to see what they announced after this, but Gail Kim versus Mickey James at WrestleMania. I guess that happened over the weekend as well. Well, they, they just showed she has like this charity thing where she's taking dresses from different female wrestlers, including ones. And I think auctioning them off. So Gail Kim revealed the one that she gave away, which was the one that she was wearing when she presented the championship to Mickey. So, yeah, really good stuff. I'm glad that I was there for the uh, the Etsy uh, moment or whatever. But, hey, it's for a cause, so good on oh, you. Oh, I, I thought it was like they had an actual match, like they were doing something similar to what Thunder Rosa did, where there, there was another all-female event I wasn't aware of. So I must have just spaced on all of that completely. Okay, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> No problem, man. You know, it's it's my job to to know stupid shit like that uh, because I forget stuff that happens in the matches, but then I remember WrestleMania advertisement. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lord. All right, so next match, Deanna Prazo, the double champion. Uh, she comes to the ring. It's so weird because I was this close to it with having this correctly. Uh, she has the AAA belt. Lena's or Del Rey championship and the uh, Ring of Honor Women's Championship. So we're in a situation where she was basically already tied down to this, so she couldn't be at the Ring of Honor one. So they had to make an interim champion, and now she'll she'll be facing inevitably Mercedes Martinez uh, to put the belts together. But uh, Fabi Apache came out, and uh, you know she lost that title to. Uh, Deanna Peraza, Triple Mania, I believe. And um, the match was good. Um, you know, I, I just don't think Fa- Fabi Apache, she looks incredible. She's 41 years old, so she's starting to feel stuff, I think, a little bit more. And that's that's what happens to all wrestlers. So it kind of slowed down at parts. But Deanna Prazo is just an amazing technical wrestler. And she retained afterwards, who I thought was going to come out and face her, Ty Valkyrie comes out and challenges her for the Reynas Del Rey's championship. So there is a good chance, Chris, Deanna Praza is going to go from Deanna two belts to Deanna no belts real fucking quickly. Oh, don't say that. It's too early to take all the belts away from her. Um, yeah, I, this match got really terrible at one point uh, towards the end. Like they were just not in sync with one another. Nope. And um, by with it being like a surprise challenger, I assume that she was going to drop the belt here. But if they're going to keep it on her, why not run with it for a while? It was also weird knowing this was pre-recorded and her cutting a promo about Mercedes Martinez not being important. Well, unless you found out other details, I'm and I'm the one who fucking said it was pre-recorded. But I think that it was actually live because the so last they went match. Live? They, yeah, that late, late as fuck. Well, I guess Texas is technically two hours, what, two or three hours behind us. So it wouldn't have been really technically that late. But um, 
I mean, they knew way too much details about the fucking Briscoes uh, match with FTR at the end. Uh, the commentary team did because they basically went into the match itself. And we're talking about it. Yeah, I guess that's why I was confused because the Briscoes had a match earlier in the night. So I just assumed that was all monsters, dude. That would mean that at, jo- at Joey Janela's um, spring break from GCW, they beat Nick Cage and the other gentleman. I forgot what his name is right off the top of my head. Got those titles. And then Friday, they had two back-to-back matches, one against FTR and one against the fucking Good Brothers. Man. <laughs> well, um, I-, I thought this was pre-recorded. Now that earlier what we were talking about with PCO and Jonah it makes even – fucking less sense on why they had that match on the card yeah no uh, idea but Deanna Prowse is a badass are you looking forward to seeing her in Taya Valkyrie or her in Mercedes Martinez Mercedes Martinez impressed me at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view so I am looking forward to that match her and Taya Valkyrie will be good I hope that they give Taya Valkyrie some matches before that since she yeah. hasn't wrestled in, well, God, was she even really wrestling on NXT? When's the last time she wrestled? Like six months ago? Yeah, when she put over some nobody on NXT, basically. Um, right. So, yeah, she might have some ring rust. I agree with you. She, I think she has had some matches in AAA, but I'm not 100% sure. But I know she popped okay. up there not too long ago. Um, uh, this match, I think, is right up there with... Uh, uh, Ishii and I liked. I also liked the main event, the tag match. But as far as singles match, uh, I thought Chris Sabin and Jay White killed it. They wrestled probably close to twenty minutes, I would assume, and I was very surprised. I guess Jay White is like Alex Shelley and Jay Lethal, and uh, you know, losing to come back up or something because Jay continues getting beat. So maybe you are right. Maybe him and Alex join forces or some shit because of their despair and annoyance of losing. Uh, but Chris Sabin had a damn good match with Jay White. I mean, what do you expect? These two guys are fucking uh, just great wrestlers. So uh, probably my either second or third favorite match of the night, Chris. Yeah, this this was a really, really good match, similar to the one that he had with uh, Alex Shelley. It is interesting storytelling that Chris Sabin is the one that beat Jay White. He's pinned Jay White twice, and Alex Shelley hasn't been able to get it done. Or it, Well, Chris Sabin has, let's say, multiple victories over the Bullet Club, because I believe he pinned Chris Bay in that tech match. Um, but now you get the story of Chris Sabin was able to do what Alex Shelley wasn't um, in the mentor. With his protege. So that makes it a very interesting storyline going forward. And, uh, I mean, I'm always down for Alex Shelley versus Chris Sabin and sprinkling the Bullet Club on top of that. That seems like a really good time. Uh, they started this match out 100 miles an hour with Sabin yeah. hitting all of the fucking offense. <laughs> and then Jay White tripped him, and then it was game over <laughs> until the end of the match <laughs> for Sabin. So it was it was fun. I mean, very classic storytelling, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good match. Probably my second favorite match of the night because I liked the Ishii match. Oh, well, yeah, I keep forgetting about the fucking tag match. Mostly because when we talk about the Briscoes, I can only think of one match right now. But yeah. they had a bunch of really good matches over the weekend. Um, but yeah, it was a good match. This is one that I would recommend watching. If you are if you haven't made it to Impact Multiverse and you don't plan on watching the entire show, this is one that's worth watching. 
Yep, I agree with you. And let's talk about it. The last match, Good Brothers, Doc Ellis and Carl Anderson uh, went against the Briscoe brothers, J. And Mark Briscoe. They had mentioned they had just lost the uh, Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. So also within the storyline, you can see that the Briscoes, I mean, they weren't for the Impact Tag Titles, which I guess it was supposed to be champions versus champions, but they lost them, obviously, to FDR uh, earlier in the evening. But, you know, maybe the Impact Titles should have been on the line. I'm okay with the Briscoes losing. I know Impact really wants the Briscoes, and I'm kind of hoping that what's going on with them in general, since they brought up their name many times last night on AEW Dynamite, that Tony was like, hey, here's the deal. Maybe either he was noted. Basically, all of Warner Brothers is about to be completely changed up because Discovery is buying them out. So all their executives and stuff like that, they're going to be shuffled and people from Discovery are going to be put in charge of everything. Not only that, but maybe just low on the radar until he can work whatever out. You know, whether or not Ring of Honor's show is going to be on a streaming app that has nothing to do and is not affiliated with Turner. Or he can try to work it out and show, you know, that the Briscoes have made advances from their past ignorance. Um, I hope that it does float. I hope that's what he told them. Just go from if Impact wants to keep you for a while, do that. Jump from that to GCW. Jump from that to NWA. Keep on doing what you're doing and we'll try to figure you in when we can sort of thing. Uh, if they sign a contract with Impact, though, that that scares me. It's no offense to Impact. I like a lot of the wrestlers that are on their platform. I want the Briscoes. Selfishly, I don't care in AEW or in the new incarnation of Ring of Honor. But they had a damn good match with the Good Brothers. And at the end of it, the Good Brothers went over. But this was probably, Chris, the best Good Brothers match I've seen in a long time. I thought this was really well done, really good tag team match. And the Briscoes, for having a war... Right before this and having a war the night before, my God, can they fucking wrestle? Yeah, man, they channeled their inner fucking end up 1970s, early 80s NWA with that schedule. If, if that's really what happened, that means that they had that match immediately got into a car, <laughs> drove to this venue and had another match. Um it's insane. Now, I do know that they somehow fucked this up because it, at the end of this match, it got real rushed real fast, and it almost seemed like they just sent out Jay White to interfere to end the match because there was like, like we're, we're almost over on time. We're almost over on time. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, um, that's the only downside or only bad thing I can say about this match. It, you know, the the entire time with them talking, which I thought this was just pre-recorded, so I I thought it was just assumed that if, you know that they just were they already knew who was winning the titles you know weeks ago for ring of honor they had a while to book that show so i just assumed that's what they were talking about but the I, fact i'm they gonna look into it same match that's that's wild um the good brothers win they do set up the briscoes if they do want to go into impact for a little bit now you have a bit of a storyline because they kind of got fucked over here uh with jay white being the one that caused the interference for the uh for the magic killer there at the end but uh Solid pay-per-view. Not the best show I watched of the weekend, but it wasn't bad. I I would watch it again. Yeah, I think that's the best thing I could say about it. It was it was fun. I do wish this match 
I don't know, maybe take out that fucking PCO match and just make this match longer. But also, I don't want the Briscoes to die uh, knowing, <laughs> knowing that they worked a 45-minute match earlier in the night. Jesus. And Google just shut down on me when I asked if the question was Ring of Honor multiverse of matches live or not. So I'll come back to that in a second. But uh, let's keep on going. Let's talk about Sand Deliver. This was honestly... This had some good matches on, but probably was my least favorite out of ones we're talking about. I'll probably put, like, one of the GCW pay-per-views probably last, even though it was entertaining. Talk to Gene Oakland. Oh, apparently it was live. So, yeah, Chris, the uh, Briscoes are maniacs. And their body's probably bothering them more so than FDR is today. Yeah, that's insane. Like I said, I did, I did not realize it was live. I... I wasn't paying that close attention to commentary, and that probably would have stood out a bit more. Well, I feel you. All right, well, let's talk about NXT. Stand and deliver. Uh, we started off, I don't even know, it's because I haven't been keeping up as much, how Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai came back together, or even got the fucking championships, but they got them last week just to lose them back. To Gigi Dolan and JC Jane from Toxic Attraction in a very short match right here in Wikipedia. It was less than eight minutes. So I don't know what the fuck happened to the booking. Uh, Bruce Pritchard, you're doing a great job in XT. I really fucking appreciate you. Douchebag. <laughs> so I don't think I saw this match, but from what I gather, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai won because Wendy Chu showed up. Yeah, and then she lost because Mandy Rose this time punched out Wendy Chu when she came out. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that Wendy Chu, since she likes to sleep a lot, will fall in love with Orange Cassidy when they both end up back on the indies? <laughs> I don't think Orange Cassidy is going to end up back on the indies. <laughs> Tony Khan might bring her in to, for Orange Cassidy to have a oh, manager. Oh, God, to have a girlfriend. <laughs> How do, you, how do you like from – she went from, you know, someone that was kind of looking like she was going to be like a female great Muto with this mask and everything in that one incarnation to a girl that's really sleepy. I mean, is the gimmick is trying to make fun of Orange Cassidy, right? I have no idea. I have no clue. Probably. Really great I idea. I mean, I think, the, I think the problem is that she's not as good in ring as Orange Cassidy. <laughs> And they, yeah, I don't. And they dressed her like an eight-year-old, which their obsession with dressing grown women as children is says some dark things about that company. Or Bruce Pritchard's fucking fantasies, Jesus. I mean, you yeah. mention it. All right. Well, the next match was kind of really the starting match, twenty-one minute match uh, for the X or X division, the NXT North American Championship. Uh, we had Cameron Grimes. We had Carmelo Hayes uh, with Trick Williams, Body Body, in his corner. Santos Escobar with, you know, everyone basically from Legado del Fantasma, uh, Joaquin Wild, Raul Mendoza, and Electra Lopez versus Solo Sokoa and Grayson Walla with Sanga in, in his corner. I did not see Cameron Grimes winning this. Uh, this is pretty good. Everyone got fucking involved. It was like the, what was it, TLC2, where Lita got involved, and Spike got involved, and Rhino times 60 with people that we don't give a shit about. And uh, even Electra Lopez had a spot in it, but uh, 
Cameron Grimes finally won his first championship match since he's been in fucking NXT. God, and he, they made him like it's so ridiculous. They 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 he cut his hair. He's finally getting it back a little bit. They he's way more well groomed in the face and like he has a little bit of body hair, but it was like the fact that he looked like his last name was like a kind of a quality about him as a character. And now he's trying to be a wholesome baby face. I like Cameron Grimes. Um, I'm just, I thought that Solo Sokoa was going to win this. Honestly, I think Oos is uh, coming up really well. And he's one of the guys knowing that Samoa Joe said that he was kind of like his protege before he left. He really put a liking in him because he saw a lot of himself in him. Uh, an interview that he did recently uh, when he signed, obviously, with uh, AEW. I was I even liked him even more. And this is the Usos' younger brother, uh, part of the Analoa family. So, um, good match. Did you see Cameron Grimes taking this off of Cameron Haynes or uh, Carmelo Haynes and uh, it not being Solo Sokoa or Grayson Waller even? Like, he was the least person I thought would win this. Yeah, I didn't have him picked to win, but I mean, it's a fun moment for the crowd in the building. I enjoyed it. I thought that was fun. Uh, I like the fucking rocket ship to the moon thing they did for his entrance. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was kind of with you. I, I either thought Carmelo was going to retain it or uh, Solo Sokoa was going to win just because they've actually done a decent job of building him. But maybe they're like, we might want to move this guy to the main roster pretty soon. So, because, I mean, he seems like he's kind of ready anyways, and you have a built-in storyline with the Tribal Chief if you want to go that route. So he seems like someone they could probably pull up quicker um, than some of the other people on in this match. So maybe that's why they didn't want to throw the title on him. That would be my only reasoning. That fucking brawl he had, I guess it was a couple months back, the backstage, or I guess it was what it's called Falls Count Anywhere match he had was awesome. And I was kind of into him. And then I don't know. I guess we'll see what they do with him. I'm assuming that out of the out of the people in this match, he's the one they're going to pull up the quickest. So maybe that's the reason they didn't want to give him a title run here. It's interesting, but I see a lot of potential in him. And I was happy that to know that Samoa Joe was putting a really big liking in him while he was still there before he got let go for the second time. Um. All right. Well, let's move to the next match. Last match for Tommaso Ciampa in NXT, and he puts over Tony D'Angelo, who obviously I see a lot in. Yeah, this guy. It was AJ something, and I remember they were trying to say that he was like a famous person or some shit like that. Uh, I don't know. I think he like was part of like a, a Netflix documentary. I'm assuming about the mafia. I don't know. I'm not trying to be a dick, but. That's why I would think that he would be in Tony D'Angelo's corner. But I think Jim Cornette was talking about it. He said that Tony, for being young and being green, he has a lot of potential as a wrestler, but the gimmick is just over-ridiculous. And I agree with him, but it's like I feel like there's got to be guys like this still in fucking crevices in Jersey and, 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 and Brooklyn or fucking Chicago. So I don't know. Uh, but I just, I really, you know, the, the aftermath with Ciampa being in the ring and everyone, you know, putting him over. And then obviously it looked like he had no idea that his dad was going to come out at the end of it, Triple H and just, you know, came over and gave him a hug and shit like that. And this is kind of like 
one of the last guys from Triple H's era. Like a lot of the other guys, you know, your Santos Escobars, your your Cameron Grimes, stuff like that. They're kind of part of that transitional phase. But this is this is one of the last big guys from that era that's now going to Raw and SmackDown. And uh, yeah, my God, with the muscles sit, standing right next to him, he looked like a miniature Triple H. Am I crazy for thinking that, Chris? And can you believe that uh, Tony D fucking beat fucking Tommaso Ciampa? Yeah, hey. I mean, with Ciampa going up, it was kind of to be assumed that Ciampa was going to lose here, right? Yeah. As far as the AJ Gallant guy, apparently his dad owned a minor league hockey team that he ran, and then he was a boxing promoter and spends a bunch of money. So that's huh. as much as Google could tell me about so we're talking about an A-list superstar here. I'm sure he's huge on the gram and the TikToks, but uh, I'm an old fucker. So if Google can't tell me who you are by the first six articles, I no longer give a shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, this match was uh, pretty decent. It was fun that Triple H came out and acknowledged uh, Champa for you know what he's done for NXT. or Well, what he did for Triple H's version of NXT, I should say. Um, yeah, kind of sad. It's weird knowing that he's going to go to the main roster. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with him there, but hey, we're not here to talk about that. We'll save that for next week's show. Yeah. Uh, all right, MSK uh, went against the tag champions, the NXT tag champions Imperium, and also against the Creed brothers. My God. Well, they might still be a little bit green, but I definitely think the Creed brothers have potential. And besides the fact they're brothers that used to be collegiate wrestlers, uh, they share more in common with the Steiners because they are stiff as fuck. My God, and some of the fucking suplexes, it was like reckless abandonment. Like, not even the Steiners were like that back in the fucking day. So that kind of scares me a little bit. I've always said that about them. Uh, there was one thing they did to Marcel Bartel on the last episode of NXT where they they look like he, they busted his eardrum, basically. So they're a fucking brutal uh, two dudes, but um, I do like them. Uh, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Imperium right now. And, and MSK, uh, Nash Carter might have won along with uh, Wesley in this match, but then Wesley lost to his wife on Twitter, and the belts now are vacant because he got let go. And, uh, yeah. That did. I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Put the, put it on the Creed brothers. Who cares? Let them destroy everyone. You just broke up Imperium, <laughs> and now MSK's done. So uh, yeah. So what was the point of them winning the titles here if they knew they were gonna release the guy? They didn't. That stuff came out. Kimberly started that Twitter stuff that went very oh, okay. back and forth that night, right before the match, actually. So I don't know. Uh, if yeah, so whole entire fucking thing. Uh, I know that Nash Carter's wife, because apparently Wesley and her split up a while ago, and he moved in with them, and they've been having problems. And she was sticking up for her. Well, she went ahead and posted a picture, regardless. So, regardless if any of the allegations of abuse were true or not, I have no fucking clue. It's all he should, she said, she said at that moment. But she she posted a picture of him in a Hitler costume that he wore to a Halloween. Uh, a couple of years ago, and that apparently, from what Dave said, is the reason why WWE decided to fa- fire him. 
after the allegations, they were like, all right, well, that's fucking it. Sorry, dude, you're out. We're not dealing with all yeah. this shit. So they break up Imperium. MSK is no more. They have no other tag teams. Besides the Creed Brothers. Just, <laughs> the default, it just goes to the Creed Brothers. <laughs> they won the match without winning the match, Dane. <laughs> Malcolm Bivens is so happy. He's the only one smiling. Poor <laughs> Stokely Hathaway, man. Really good manager, too. Brutus Creed did this crazy-ass spot in this match where he had a cannonball from the top rope to the floor, and I thought he was going to kill everyone. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, they're, I mean, they kind of remind me of America and Alpha, but, like, shittier. <laughs> more more rough and just green as hell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're going to get better. And, uh, I mean, once again, they're another one of those tag teams because it's not like Raw and SmackDown have a ton of tag teams. I thought they would maybe... Get, maybe we're getting pulled up to do something with uh, uh, Chad Gable and kind of be like his tag team ringers or something just to do anything with the main roster's tag division. That's not something we've seen a bazillion times, but um, I guess that can't be the case now since they're <laughs> literally the tag champions by default. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. We'll find out soon what happens on uh, Bruce Pritchard knew about it. Fucking no, actually no, they hadn't released him yet. So I guess that came out that surfaced right when I see. I mean, ugh, I don't want to fucking say anything about the whole situation, but the timing of these things right before the tag match, and then the Hitler picture right before NXT, <laughs> and then they release him, and understandably so. It's a lot of controversy, but my fucking god, dude. Um, yeah. And um, even though the NXT crowd loves her, Mandy Rose retained over Cora Jade, Kaylee Ray, and Eero Shirai. I thought this was Kaylee Ray's time to shine. Ah, I, I, I'm not a fan of Cora Jade. I, it, it, she's younger. She's green as fuck. Her forearms look like shit. There's a lot of stuff that she does that you can just tell it doesn't. And don't get me wrong. I'm not the biggest fan of Mandy Rose in the ring either. But um, I knew Eero wasn't getting it because she's like a two-time. So she would have been three-time. She's actually one of the last females from that same era that I was talking about with Triple H. So maybe it's time for Io to hit the main fucking roster if you're not going to put the belt back on her. But uh, I thought Kaylee Ray or Cora J was going to defeat Mandy. Nope. And then Toxic Attraction got their tag belts back. So um, I like I like Gigi Dolan. I don't really care for the rest of it. So, yeah. Mandy Rose is, what, a three-time champion now? I don't even care. It's because you're giving me a fucking <laughs> I mean, bell on the goddamn main roster. <laughs> yeah, but your reasoning for you not getting it is that she's had it two times. Um, <laughs> I'm just Guess saying, you're right. Mandy Rose. <laughs> Mandy Rose is, seems like she has that belt every other fucking week. Um, yeah, I honestly didn't care about this at all because I kind of felt like Mandy was going to win the match. Because for some reason, they will not let that failed experiment go away. Yep. And uh, I'll say that I thought the tag match was just a clusterfuck, but it was fun. A lot of spots, very fast, hard hitting, but it was all over the place. I thought Tony D and Tomas Ciampa had as good of a match that that could have been. And Ciampa did a good job of helping uh, with Tony, and I thought that the uh, NXT North American Championship match was good. 
I thought a lot of elements of this women's match was good. The next two matches, though, it seemed like both of them were actually kind of hindered with timing. Maybe it's because other things went over. I'm not 100% sure, but really liked the next two matches. Uh, first, Gunther, a.k.a. Walter from Imperium, who I just don't know. I know this sounds so stupid. And it's a cosmetic concept. I'm glad that he lost weight and he's he's more in shape. But he's so lanky, it kind of just looks weird now to me. And, I, like, it just, I don't know. Maybe I should just get in the mindset that instead of, like, the Vader concept or whatever when he was a bigger dude, like, it's more of, like, a killer Kowalski where he's this lanky, big, tall motherfucker that could just grab you and hurt you. But um, it is strange. But uh, him and L.A. Knight, they had a damn good match. Um, L.A. Knight did that jump spot that Pat, Pat McAfee did with the backflip. Uh, the night previous, surprised that that didn't get to uh, Mr. Vince. But like I said, I can't believe he fucking got Gunther up for that because he's still a fucking huge guy. He's like six four, six five. Uh, and Gunther won. I thought that was the right thing to do. And apparently, LA Knight's going to be making his way up to SmackDown or Raw very soon. Um, but uh, they made Gunther strong for a match with Prom Breaker. We'll get into that one again to the fucking main event because I have a whole comment about that. But um, how'd you like this match, Chris? I thought it was pretty good. Ten minutes and twenty-four seconds. Gunther over LA Knight. Yeah, I mean it was shorter than I expected. I thought they would give those two more time, being that you know Gunther's a guy that they've been pushing really heavily for a long time, and they usually give him longer matches. Um. Not really surprised he beat the hell out of L.A. Knight. I thought there were some good spots in between the match. There was, um, God, I'm trying to remember. The superplex that, that Knight hit looks like the ring was going to fucking explode, which would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when L.A. Knight picked up Gunther into a torture rack, that was pretty <laughs> pretty Impressive. insane. Pretty insane looking into like the modified uh, Death Valley driver. There's some cool spots in here. It's kind of sucks. I feel like LA Knights, unfortunately, he he's like he, he missed what they could have done with him when he first came in, like two what two or three years ago. Um, but yeah, this was a solid match. It was fun. It it nothing surprising because I just assumed Gunther was gonna win, but at least they made it entertaining for me. Absolutely. All right, so we had the NXT Championship match. The champion, Dolph Ziggler, went against Braun Breaker. I mean, literally, because he went and won it back. Um, Trying to think. Uh, Yeah, wait, wait. When the hell did he win it? It would have been last night, right? Oh, Uh, no. I guess so. I did not. No, because he went against he went went against Gunther. Oh, that's what happened. It was on Raw. So all right, so that's why I'm all fucking confused. Because we had Dolph Ziggler, and who obviously this was, whole entire thing was Dolph. Hey, Dolph, help this kid. We, he's not ready for the main roster, but we want him to get ready. And maybe it was either this was already a part of the plan, or they decided we'll keep Braun in NXT for a little while, get him seasoned, and then bring him up. But Braun had a big couple days because he put his 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 dad and his fucking uncle in the hall of fame uh came out had a great match with Dolph Ziggler where Dolph went over uh talking about this pay-per-view and a 16-minute match 
Uh, he retained. It was because of constant interference. Well, a couple of interference by Robert Roode. Robert would get ejected on Monday when they had the rematch, which was weird and out of nowhere. And then Braun Breaker won over Dolph Ziggler. And you would think they would build with Braun against Gunther at the next pay-per-view. And he beats Gunther in a pretty good match fucking Tuesday night. So, and apparently Gunther and, and, and Fabian Eichner might be going up. But, uh, call? No, no, Marcel Bartel, because Fabian Eichner left Marcel Bartel in the match he had with the Creed brothers to get his ass kicked on Tuesday night. So... I don't know what the fuck's going on. I feel like they're going to put like like Walter in and uh, and Marcel Bartel is going to be like a tag team now. And that's what they're going to do on the main roster with them. But yeah, Gunther lost to Braun Breaker, who beat Dolph Ziggler on Monday and lost to him on Stand and Deliver. Who the fuck is booking this shit? I don't know. Um, I do know that they fucking kicked Robert Roode out of this match and he sure as fuck came back and nothing happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with some of these bookings. This was a really, really good match with a real shit finish. That's what I have written in my notes. And, yep. uh, also don't let Braun Breaker have a chainsaw. Who the hell gave that big ass man a chainsaw? He should have just brought that shit to the ring and cut Robert Roode in half. Some shit. <laughs> my, and not only that, the fact the fact that he, like, right before it, could you imagine if they asked fucking Terry Funk to do this when he was Chainsaw Charlie? He gets out, and he cuts the X, and it's whatever, you know, balsa wood or whatever. He cuts it right down the middle. But before he cuts it, he puts on safety glasses, and he looks fucking ridiculous. It's like, Terry, yeah, when you when you take that chainsaw, can you put on some safety glasses first? Oh, sure, yeah, I got it. The fuck? <laughs> Such a weird That's visual. What- that's what the pantyhose are for. That's, that protects my fa- If I drop the chainsaw, we're all fucked regardless. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird visual. But like I said, this was a, it was a really good match, but it, it had a fuck finish. They did a fuck finish for their main event after they ejected the guy. And <laughs> then Braun beat him. Reverse it on Monday. <laughs> yeah, like... No, and then the worst part, you would think, like I said, it would be Braun Breaker versus versus Gunther at the next. They would build up to that, and then he just beats him on NXT, and that's it. Like, what the fuck is going on? Solid. It's all A-plus stuff. WrestleMania reset, baby. Nothing that happened <laughs> from the previous year as, as matters Palmer, anymore. As, as Conrad Thompson has said many times, and I said it earlier, fuck you, Bruce Pritchard. Fucking idiot. All right, let's keep on going. Uh, we got stuff to talk about. I'm more excited about talking about this in the next thing, but Friday, the big pay-per-view, I think all of us were looking forward to. I was watching this while I was watching SmackDown in the background, and then Rampage, uh, but Supercard of Honor, man, the last transition show between the old management, if you will, and Tony Khan's. Uh, And uh, a lot of the matches were really good. Some stuff kind of questionable. We'll get into it. All right, first, we'll go over the pre-show matches as one. Colt Cabana had a 
Colt Cabana style match with Blake Christian and beat him in uh, eight minutes. And then AQA went against Miranda Alays and beat her in eight minutes. Um, did you see either one of these matches? Anything that you'd like to say about them? We also had Tully coming out and being like, I'm, I'm going to be out here later on and I got people. You just watch Tully Blanchard Enterprise. That was it. Uh, Cole Cabana toying with Christian at the beginning of the match was pretty funny. And then he also hit like Christian hit a he he hit a backflip out of the ring and Cabana caught him like set up for a stinger death drop or reverse DDT um, and then followed it with like a 450 splash. That was pretty fucking cool. Um, the AQA match was fucking terrible. Uh, I was like, oh, man, this doesn't look that bad. Starting out, I was like, AQA looks way better than she did when I saw her on was a dynamite or a rampage, one of the two. And then it was all terrible until she hit that shooting star press and the match was over. And that was good. Uh, you did that sucker. <laughs> uh, the gates of agony. That's a, that's some big ass boys. Tully's got working for him. Felt bad for yeah. the Shinobi shadow squad. Uh, Fucking cheeseburger. Like they don't even have to have people that small to go against these dudes. My God. So we know Jasper Khan. But I don't know where uh, Toa Liano or Lona came from, but he is a scary-looking motherfucker. And if it's these two and Brian Cage as a part of uh, basically like a Heenan family, if you will, for Tully and, and Ring of Honor, shit, man. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if we'll have another person. I like the idea of instead of just a manager can only be like with one fucking person. Like recently, Paul Heyman was talking about how he'd love to manage – and he'd be able to help out if he could manage uh, Ronda Rousey, but he's too busy with Roman Reigns. And I'm thinking, like, you, you're on a fucking TV once a week. Why can't you be involved with both? Why can't you be like, I'm Ronda's fucking manager? Like, managers back in the day, Bobby had, like, 20 fucking people. Paul Heyman, back when he was Paul E., he had, like, fucking a huge group of people. So I, I don't understand the modern concept. I like this idea that Tully's going to have a bunch of big guys to destroy all the people in Ring of Honor, though. It's kind of interesting because once he crosses paths with these two dudes against a tag team he used to fucking manage, that's an interesting story. Hopefully these guys can work. They were at least intimidating and scary. Uh, what did you think about that? It was like a two-minute squash match, Chris. Are you, are you excited about Gates of Agony? I am excited about Gates of Agony, especially if they're just going to be a dominant force in Ring of Honor. I think that's very interesting. It's something they can build around. It's cool that it's Tully's group. It was fun hearing Tully cut promos. and um, I was surprised when we get into, well, you already said Brian Cage. I was very surprised that, that was Brian Cage was the third member. I thought it was going to be something weird like Samoa Joe or... Um, Cesaro. I didn't think it was, yeah, Cesaro or someone like that. I didn't think it was going to be Brian Cage, but that's a cool addition to uh, these three fucking monsters who, depending on who they put on this Ring of Honor <laughs> roster, are going to be some of the biggest people on there. Um, so that's going to be intriguing in itself. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. I mean, it's hard to judge a squash match. Cheeseburger did a pretty good job of getting his ass kicked. I guess that's like, <laughs> he does that a lot though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, lo I love cheeseburger. I feel bad for him though. I was like, man, he's going to get his chance to shine on this show. And then Tully came out and I was like, Oh, I guess Tully has a tag team too. <laughs> that's going to be bad for this poor guy. 
Uh, Shinobi Shadow Squad. What the fuck? Uh, do you think that he should change it from Tully Blanchard Enterprises to Big Men Slapping Meat? Maybe just do an acronym? <laughs> yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> Uh, did uh, we talk about the Castle versus Hendry match? Because that was actually probably the highlight of the pre-show. Yeah, man. Really good match. Um, Dalton Castle coming out with his little uh, peacocks and, uh, you know, just strutting and stuff. But it's always great because when they get in the ring, uh, Caprice Coleman and Ian Riccoboni, who I think is one of the best, to me, they might not be at the same level, but it's kind of like how I feel felt about Dalton Callis or not Dalton Castle, uh, Don Callis and uh, Kevin Kelly a couple years ago, where I thought they were the best commentary team. They're just so good. They bring a sports realism aspect to it, and him always saying like, you know, whenever Dalton gets ready to go into a match, it's like, oh, remember he's also a collegiate wrestling champion. You know, it, this might be a demeanor, but it's actually like. He can go, and him and Joe Hendry had a good match under 10 minutes, probably the best match, like you said, of the pre-show. And uh, bada-bing, bada-boom, Dalton Castle won. So happy for Cheeseburger, Dalton Castle, Colcabana, mainly to be a part of this, you know, this last hurrah of whatever for the old-school Ring of Honor, because it's kind of like that was their era. And regardless of they come on, this is going to be a brand-new one, you know, going forward. Yeah, the commentary was fucking hilarious in this match the the entire time. Also, um, the uh, Joe Hendry and and Dalton Castle were tag team partners at one point in time uh, from a while back, so it was fun showing them play up that. Joe Hendry's fucking theme music is a, a banger that got stuck in my head for like most of the night. I think I was just repeatedly texting you about his theme music most of the way through this match. I think he sings it too. Yeah, it was hilarious. Um, yeah, the match had kind of some weird pacing. There was some great chain wrestling. It's uh, I don't know if they just didn't know how much time they were going to have or what. The But the last couple of minutes uh, of the match were awesome. There was some huge, huge, basically all the big spots you would want out of this kind of match. And Castle ended up getting the win, and the fans were super happy, and that leads into the start of the show. So... You know, it's, uh, I don't know, Dalton Castle celebrated super hard for a guy that was on the pre-show. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> He's great, man. They need to bring him back. They need to keep Dalton Castle. Although, I mean, of all places, he would do, him ju- being one of those guys that jumps from GCW to Impact and stuff like that, I think he would be a good guy to to ride that. But Or even NWA would be interesting for him to show up at, but. I, I like Dalton Castle in uh, Ring of Honor, and I really like Joe Hendry. I've liked him since I saw him in World of Sport, where they when they tried that over in uh, UK to bring that back. Uh, but he's a damn good wrestler. Yeah, I would say some of the best parts of that match is when they were highlighting Dalton Castle's collegiate wrestling ability. Some of their chain wrestling at the beginning of the match was some of the best stuff there until you get to the... Uh, I don't know, like the last two minutes. It's definitely worth, if you're going to watch something on the pre-show, that would be the match to watch, unless you just really, really love Tully Blanchard, in which, you know, also watch the Tully stuff. Yep. All right, next, uh, let's start the whole entire show, the main show. Starting off, we had uh, Swerve, Shane Strickland going against Alex Zane. Um, 11-minute match, really good stuff. 
I really just I I I, I think highly of a uh, of Swerve Strickland. People know that I'm a mark for him. I liked him in MLW. I liked him in Lucha Underground as Kill Shot. I liked him in NXT, and I think that he just got something about him. Plus, incredible high flyer, but nothing looks too repetitive, in my opinion, from him. He kind of changes stuff up. Uh, I mean, he does a lot. Of the, everyone does similar stuff, but I think that he he's he's a good wrestler. Him and Alex had a good match. 11 minutes, 40 seconds, like I said. Swerve Strickland won the match. What did you think about this opener, Chris? I mean, holy shit. These guys are... It was almost like having a mirror match because they're both about the same height and weight. They look... I mean, they, they have, like, similar styles in the ring. So they did a good job of, like, keeping up, like, a very fast-paced, high-spot wrestling match, but being able to slow it back down to give the crowd some time to breathe, which I thought was awesome. But the... uh the part where you could tell the crowd was on fire is when Zane hits the fucking poison Rana from like that ring apron to the floor, oh. which looked absolutely insane. And then as soon as they got back in the ring, it, this, it we were off to a full sprint um, until the end of the match. And the crowd was so fucking into it. And I was like, man, I actually feel bad for whoever has to go <laughs> after yeah. this opener. It was great. It was awesome seeing it's it's great seeing Swerve Strickland be more of what he was prior to NXT and be able to do all of the things that he was able to do, but it also just makes you fucking frustrated at NXT <laughs> at the same time, you know, like, um, but man, I, I was really impressed. I haven't seen a whole lot of Zane before, but I was fucking really impressed with him in this match. And hopefully he's a guy that they can keep around if they're going to do some of the smaller guys feuding for like the television title, if they're going to keep that around, I think he would be great there. I, I think, you know, Swerve Strickland is going to be in AEW probably more than likely. I would assume there's just too much about him, but uh, don't get rid you know of the South guy. I don't. I don't know. I think that there's going to be certain people that are going to be labeled a Ring of Honor person, or you know, and this is the thing: they don't have anything figured out as of yet for a weekly show for Ring of Honor. So right now it's on hiatus, and I think Tony said that you know he's trying to find a spot for it. But I don't know if Tony, he doesn't make it sound like he's definitely going to have people the part of rosters and stay there, one for Dynamite and one for Ring of Honor. But I think people can jump back and forth. I don't think he's going to have it where it's like Ron SmackDown, where unless Vince wants to pop a rating, he's going to have fucking people come around. I think they're kind of more free to go to other places is what I'm picking up. Yeah, I hope that's the case. I mean, it, it definitely gives wrestlers not doing with something to do on a different show and gives you some interesting booking. There was another spot in this match where they called this move a fucking Crunchwrap Supreme. I wrote that in my notes, and I'm pretty sure it's when Alex Zane did a backflip and, and basically like a knee stab to Isaiah Swerve Scott. That was fucking crazy, but I love the name yeah, Crunchwrap Supreme. How has no one ever had a move called Crunchwrap Supreme? That's pretty good. I like it. And Alex Zane, man, I think that they had a match on when he was uh, Ari Sterling. Uh, I think they either had a match on NXT or maybe even 205 Live I saw. So these guys definitely work together. But, hey, man, they couldn't cut it in WWE somehow. Uh, whatever. Um, they had to make room for people like Tony D'Angelo and the one annoying Australian guy that I already forgot his name. Uh, let's keep on going. Brian Cage got announced, we already said, as Tully Blanchard's third guy and basically murdered 
Ninja Mac very quickly uh, in less than three minutes. Uh, Brian Cage is someone that I'm very interested in being a part of Ring of Honor just because it's different. And honestly, he kind of had that going for him where he would do a lot more. Before he got to Impact, when I saw him on the indies, he was doing like technical matches and shit like that with Jeff Cobb and stuff like that. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see someone that size competing with more like to me, I feel like it's only a matter of time until Claudio comes there, Cesaro. Put him and Brian Cage in a technical match together. See what the fuck happens. See who's stronger between those two guys. But uh yeah, he murdered Ninja Mac in uh less than three minutes, Chris. Yeah, and I, I actually think that this is good for Brian Cage, especially if he's just going to be if he's gonna be on Ring of Honor for a while. Give him some wins there. Just because the obviously the big guy focus on AEW right now is gonna be around Keith Lee um and uh Wardlow. So I mean you can only have you know those kind of monsters. You can't have them in every match. So um I think this is really cool, especially with Tully. It was fun seeing Ninja Mac immediately see that it was him. The crowd gives Cage this big pop and Ninja Mac was like, fuck this and just <laughs> went full send over the top rope and Cage just caught him like it was nothing in air. That's probably the best spot of this match. But I mean other than that it was just a squash. Squash. So um fun. And I'm excited to see what they do with Tully Blanchard's crew. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. So uh, next match. I can't believe it, man. So we've been getting all and I think I think it's understandable because we love Jay Lethal. But we've been like, why the fuck are you guys letting him collect wins on your YouTube shows? But whenever he goes against a big opponent like an Adam Cole or whoever, even even when he got fucking hit with brass knucks and thrown out by Matt Hardy in that battle royal was like is is or or against uh Sammy for the uh, TNT championship. It's like is Jay Lethal just going to lose every big match? I mean I was I was annoyed, but finding out that at least this is the direction they wanted to go in. Jay and uh Tony, at least with Jay uh, I guess similar maybe to what they did with Eddie Kingston. If you think about Eddie Kingston, he lost the majority of the big matches he was in, but people still loved him. He had a chip on his shoulder, and he finally got over that aspect. Instead of going like that, apparently Jay wanted to kind of go heel. So I don't know if this is about Tony kind of being like, hey, we're about to have Ring of Honor. We want you to be a huge contribution in it. And it was already discussed of him wanting to have a heel turn, so they ended up having him lose some big matches to kind of collectively bother him. But he went against Lee Moriarty, who they kind of said Lee was a huge fan of Jay Lethal. Jay saw a lot in Lee. Uh, You know, it was, he said it was like looking at him when he was in the ring and who knows this blowing smoke up. That's what, this is the story they were telling. Um, That Jay's was like, this was me back when I was that age, basically like, so it was like a mirror match, and they had a really great contest. And then from almost losing, Jay Lethal got frustrated, and when the ref wasn't looking, you know, didn't have a good view of it, just gave fucking Lee Moriarty a low blow. And I swear to God, it was like a <gasps> like from the audience because Jay Lethal's always been a fucking babyface, and you could tell he's frustrated and he was ashamed of himself afterwards. And he had Sanjay Dutt. Uh, come out and he was confronting him and he kind of pushed him and shit like that. And it was, it was, it was weird. And what would happen later on? We'll talk about it. 
you know, Jay Lethal is now a heel. Uh, I don't know, man. Like sometimes like, it's kind of like Gargano. Maybe I mean it's it's cool to try it, but if you're really good at one thing. It's kind of weird to start up another, but you know, I'm down for it. Uh, I'm I'm curious of what's going to go on. I'm assuming what's going to happen because I don't know if Gresham is signed completely with. You know, he did the press conference with Tony, but he's not all elite. I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like no matter what, if he's staying there or not, Jay's going to get that title off of him, and eventually Samoa Joe's going to get that title off of Jay Lethal is what I'm assuming is happening. But, Chris, you've been watching him longer than I have. You know, you actually watched him live for a lot of duration of him climbing within Impact as the black machismo, and then later on as Jay Lethal with all of his amazing matches in Ring of Honor. I came on... When he won the title again, what, the second or third time against Adam Cole? So I didn't see him for a majority of the time period. He's always been a baby face. So it's, is this what, – what's going on? How do you feel about this? I mean, he's flirted with being a heel before in different storylines. But generally, he is considered the Ring of Honor pure wrestler, good guy, baby face. That's especially as of the past, let's say, uh, five or six years. So it was kind of crazy to see uh, this side of Jay Lethal. And I definitely think it was shocking on this show. I don't think anyone expected. I mean, I think everyone expected Jay Lethal to win, but not in the way that he won the match. And and definitely not what was to follow uh, towards the end of the night with Gresham. And the fact that, you know, both Gresham and Moriarty in storyline are both big fans of Jay Lethal and have this respect for him. And Jay Lethal kind of was a dick to both of them in the same night. I think they did a great job storytelling in this match with not only talking about Jay Lethal being a big inspiration to Lee Moriarty, but actually showing it in the ring, like him being able to counter all of Jay Lethal's moves because he studied his matches so much. And commentary did a great job of uh, driving that home. So lethal hitting the low bow to blow to the lethal injection. Yeah, there was like an audible in the crowd. And even me at home, I was like, oh, didn't see that coming. That was that's a good swerve, WWE. <laughs> that's what we call a good swerve. Um, and following it up at the end of the night, I think you're spot on with what's going to happen. And, um, you know, with Gresham being a really good baby face and also, you know, a legend like Samoa Joe coming back. If you're, if you're going to turn heel, if you're Jay lethal now is a good time, um, especially coming off the losses in AEW. So it's fun. It's good storytelling. I'm excited to see where they go with it. I am too. All right. Well, the next match was for the ring of honor interim women's world championship. Mercedes Martinez and Willow Nightingale, who I believe Willow was the one who lost to Roxy in the finals uh, for the tournament for the Ring of Honor um, championship. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think she's awesome, honestly. I've seen her in a couple matches now. Two were in the tournament. um, And I believe it was the one in the finals that I'm thinking of. Or maybe it was the semifinals where where, uh, Roxy beat her. But either way, I like her. I think she's awesome. And her and Mercedes Martinez had a fucking pretty hard-hitting match. And Mercedes Martinez won. We already talked about it. She is now the interim champion. And her and Deanna Peraza have already started talking shit online. I'm very much looking forward to their match. 
Yeah, I think Mercedes Martinez impressed me here. There was one spot where she was trying to do like a butterfly suplex and just missed or just, I don't know, couldn't get Willow up or whatever. Um, They did a good job of covering it. But uh, outside of that, Mercedes Martinez hit pretty much every finisher she had and Willow just kept coming back for more. So it was uh, it was fun. You know, Willow tries for the moonsault. Mercedes grabs her, hits the dragon sleeper, that, which her dragon sleeper is kind of cool because it's got like um, there's some ad- additional things that she does in it. But um, one of the impressive things about Mercedes Martinez definitely in this match for me was her facial expressions. Um, when she looks pissed off, she looks very pissed off. It's very convincing day. She's scary. Oof. Yeah, I agree. She's got a very intimidating scowl, uh, kind of like Brock Lesnar, which I'm sure she would take as a as a as a compliment because she's a badass. Um, but yeah, her and uh, everyone should take that as a compliment. Brock Cowboy Brock Lesnar, the best Brock Lesnar. We've already been over this on the show. He was, and then he lost in a match that was kind of subpar compared to what we thought it was going to be. But you know. Uh, Cowboy Brock will be back. I'm sure that he's just hibernating in Alaska right now or some shit, uh, fighting polar bears with a knife. Uh, all right. I mean, I got to say, I'm sorry. I know that you have three championship matches after this. You have the television title, the pure title, and the world championship. This next match should have gone on last. I feel like I and the audience were just completely gassed, just like fucking FTR and the Briscoes were at the end of this match. Um, this might have been, actually, I think I'm pretty sure it was my match of the week and uh, for WrestleMania weekend, but what a fucking tag match. Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Uh, the champions, the Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark Briscoe, went against FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. They've been talking shit online from what Dax said that the first time that they actually met was right before this match. So it was like a little bit of communication after all the the actual shit talk. And, uh, you know, at the they started it off a little bit negative with Cash and Dax not doing the whole uh, handshake deal, code of honor. And they had a hard hitting fucking match. Everyone's fucking juiced by the end of this damn thing. Uh, just, I think one of the craziest bumps, and it's like I saw this in like a fucking superplex onto the apron when AJ did it to Edge, and it's like, Jesus Christ. At one point, Mark and Dax are fighting on the apron, and they're going back and forth. No, one's inside, that's right, Dax is inside, and Mark's on the outside, and they're going back and forth. Dax is obviously trying to get him. Uh, inside the ring, and finally Mark almost suplexes him, and I'm like, oh my god! Because I thought they were going to do it. And then he gets him on the apron with them. They fat, fight back and forth. They're going back and forth. And then he actually does end up suplexing the motherfucker on the ground. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. And now looking back on it, Mark had just been in that match the night before in GCW, and also would then go in another match like we already talked about with the good brothers so they got to feel terrible and ftr all the fucking damage they did in this the next ones they have a fucking banger with the young bucks like my god just my hats off to you guys 
wrestling's not real. Fuck off. My lord. They just they beat the <laughs> living hell out of each other. The the it was it was a great fucking match. I told Chris and I don't I don't know how I feel about it now. Maybe it was in the moment, but it might be one of my favorite modern tag team matches of all time. Honestly, it was just really good. I mean, I've liked a lot of stuff. Like the other one I compared that I felt so strongly about was the Young Bucks versus the Golden Lovers in New Japan. I love that fucking match. Um, and also, I think it was the Hell in the Cell between the uh, New Day and the Usos, which was another incredible tag match. But my God, tag team wrestling. The, the crowd was into everyone. I mean, they were fucking phenomenal. Uh, it just was a an awesome match. It sucks because I know that you guys know I'm not Mr. Note person, and I watched this match two times, but it's hard for me to remember specifics. Usually Chris kind of jogs my memory a lot of times, but this match was phenomenal. They, they, I, I don't know which match, honestly, from FDR was better, the one uh, last night against the Bucks or this one. I think this one was, but it, they, they, just great stuff, man. Those are three of the best tag teams. Um, with the Young Bucks coming out at the end, we all know the ending. If if the Bucks won the fucking AAA tag belts and the Ring of Honor tag belts a couple days after them winning the, the Ring of Honor ones from the Briscoes, after they jumped the Briscoes afterwards and run like little bitches from FTR, I would have been really severely pissed. But they're good businessmen, obviously. It wasn't going to be like that. And this was, I hope this leads to, I think that these three tag teams could have a similar, similar chemistry that the rock and roll midnight. And uh, I was about to call them the, the road warriors did in the eighties or even with the Hardys, the fucking edge and Christian, the Dudleys, like they just, their chemistry. I've seen the Briscoes go against the young bucks from back in the day and shit like that. And, they all have great chemistry. They all have different elements about them that are great. I love the fucking Briscoes, man. I'm I'm a huge fan now, especially with the stuff I've been seeing recently with them and zoning in more on them in the last year. They're fucking phenomenal. I mean, they're like the Funk Brothers meets the fucking Sheep Herders. You know, and if you don't know who the Sheep Herders are, let's just say Luke and Butch from the Bushwhackers used to fuck people up. In like all Japan and Mid-South and shit like that. Scary dudes. Look it up on YouTube, people. But uh, they're fucking awesome. They're fucking, this is a great match. And FDR won. And then they shook their hands. They all hugged. Uh, apparently, Dax said that wasn't planned. That was just organic in the moment because of the fact that they just put themselves through that. Just good shit, man. Like, tag team wrestling is really good. When it's really good, it's really fucking good, Chris. I feel like you're still in my line. Wrestling's really good. It's so fucking good. Um, I the thing that surprised me most about this match, and I think helped set the tone, it was when Mark and Wheeler just immediately started trading takedowns, as opposed to just fist fighting. <laughs> like they just started chain wrestling. I was like, all right, it was just a very surprising technical exchange uh, there. And I mean, this match was all over the place. There's, there's so much great stuff. The only thing I can really say is just watch it, and watch, yeah, everything about this. Whether it's like the redneck karate that Mark hits, or whether it's redneck Jay and Kung Dax, Fu. or if it's or if it's just Jay and Dax just measuring each other up, punch after punch after punch. 
and both of them selling it and the, the the announcers really putting over you know dax hardwood's gimmick of being the hardest hitter in the business um it had it had violence it had technical technical aspects just submissions blood like anything you can think of this match had it checked all of the boxes of what will make it a good match and the best thing i could say is it it felt very old school and like the best possible way it's like uh like tombstone that's what i'll compare it to this match is like watching tombstone it's not your fucking grandpa's western but it's still a goddamn good western and uh it's it was great it's phenomenal i love the ending um the fucking suplex was scary the doctors came out and checked on everyone i'm pretty sure that was a shoot just because it did look like someone died um when the uh when the briscoes hit the big rig that was insane especially the how close the kick out was there's just some great moments in this match this was by far this is by far the best match i've seen this year including anything in japan or america this was the match and easily the match of the weekend and yes ftr had another great match uh with the young bucks I will say that match wasn't as good as the first match they had with the Young Bucks and definitely wasn't as good as this match. But um, pat on the back for both these. They, these. These teams need more matches. So, Tony Khan, I don't care who you have to piss off. <laughs> Sign the Briscoes because we need that, I don't know, crazy ladder match between like the Young Bucks, the Briscoes, and, uh, and FTR. That's what we all want to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was that was great. And like I said, dude, I don't know how you felt, but I was especially the audience. I mean, the next three matches, people would de- like, you know, get them back up. But I felt like no one like everyone was needing a cigarette after sex, if you will. You know what I'm saying? After this match. And there were still three more fucking matches. Yeah, and and like I guess it makes more sense of where they put this on the card, knowing that Jay and Mark had to go fucking wrestle the Good Brothers, <laughs> which I thought that was a pre-recorded show, like I said. Uh, but now it makes more sense of why they had to put this on the card here. But yeah, I did feel bad for the matches after it, and I don't think the crowd really picked back up until the main event, honestly. Yep. All right. Well, next match, uh, very interesting concept. Minoru Suzuki going against Red Titus for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Uh, if Minoru Suzuki won this, which I really didn't think he was going to because, you know, I, I, I just didn't see this happening. So this is very interesting. But this would be the first American promotion-based title that he's ever had and picked up, which is pretty awesome because he won! And they had an awesome match. I mean, it was a very much a Suzuki match, if that makes a lot of sense. Very hard hitting for a lot of intimidation factors. I will say that with the two of them, Minoru Suzuki had an awesome match with Effie at the GCW show. Uh, <laughs> just fun, but also it, it would get technical and much more aggressive. And of course, he went over that one as well. Brett Titus fought the Invisible Man in a fucking battle royal on the same goddamn thing with Joey Janela. So. Brett, God damn it. Anyways, uh, yeah, but Minoru Suzuki won. He is now the Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Chris, fucking Suzuki, man. 
good old murder grandpa himself. It was, it was nice seeing him win a title here in America. I like that he teased throwing it out into the crowd at one point and everyone gasped. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty great. Um, I don't, I mean, we're coming off that big Briscoe's FTR match and this was a lot of grappling. <laughs> But maybe that was the best choice, considering what we just watched as far as giving everything else a buffer. And they did give you the big moment of Suzuki winning a title. So um, I, I bet that Minoru Suzuki hits harder than the Invisible Man day. <laughs> Killing me. I like Red Titus, too. Uh, what are you going to do? But um, next match, Ring of Honor Pure Championship. I don't really, I don't remember a lot of this match because, like I said, until the main event, I kind of went into a fog after that tag match. Sucked the life out of me. But Wheeler Yuta, Josh Woods, I really like Josh Woods and what I saw of him in the uh, Pure Tournament. Um, and then him beating Jonathan Gresham for that title at not the last one, but the one before at Ring of Honor um, pay per view. I forgot which one it was, but uh, just shows a lot of potential. Ex MMA fighter. Uh, Really has a great look. I, I kind of hope that, you know, if you're keeping Ring of Honor open, it's another guy that you should keep in mind uh, because I think that he has a shit ton of potential. He's got a great look. Like all the tattoos, he looks like a badass. Him and Wheeler Yuta had a great match, and Wheeler won. So, you know, this is going to lead to more friction uh, from last night between him and the best friends, mainly Tremperetta. And uh, Daniel Bryan's going, or Brian Danielson, I should say, is going against Trent Breda on Friday. So we'll definitely get more involved with that. I think Wheeler Yuta is going to be joining the uh, the combat club, if you will, uh, now that he is the championship of the pure division. and uh, Or that, or he can just get dragged in, then Brian Danielson can convince him to have a match with him, and he beats the shit out of him and takes the title. Maybe he's just bait, Chris. And maybe Trent Barreto will be like, you fucking idiot. You should have been a best friend, but you cared about championships. I'm not hugging you. And then they have a match. I don't know. But do you remember this at all? I do. I thought this was a good match. It's Once again, there was the fog of war of FTR and the Briscoes looming over it. And this was a pure uh, match. So it has all the re- the like weird rules of a pure Ring of Honor match. So I... I if you went into this as a, let's say, a wrestling enthusiast but never really got super into Ring of Honor, and then you watched the Suzuki match and this after that tag match, I'm not sure that you stuck with it till the end of the show. Um, and some of that's just the positioning of matches. But that's the the only thing I would say is the those matches were very similar leading into one another just because there was so much grappling. And that's fine if you're used to it. But that would turn, you know, if you're a first time viewer of Ring of Honor, it might not have been your cup of tea. Um, there was a crazy fucking spot in this match where Willer Yuta jumped into a fucking knee counter and I thought he died. Um, <laughs> that's the one thing I remember from this. Uh, it was a good match. I like Woods. Uh, I, it's kind of weird they didn't use his size at all. Or that didn't play really into the story with them being Mac technicians where you'd had to get more innovative. Uh, but it was just a lot of takedowns, holds, counters. It, I mean, it definitely felt like an amateur wrestling match for the majority of the match, which is what 
pure championship matches generally feel like. And um, even headed into the main event, it's kind of like we did get kind of stuck in a little bit of that lull. And I think I even made a joke about it. I was like, do you think Tony booked this this way because Rampage starts at 10? (laughs) Um, But all joking aside, I mean, taking this match outside of the card and just looking at it on its own, it it was a solid match. Yeah. I mean, both these guys are great. Josh Woods looks like a smaller version of Brian Cage. Um, so maybe Tully needs to grab him too. Uh, put him on like a father son tag team. I don't know. But uh, yeah, definitely like him. I like Wheeler Yuta. Good match. Let's talk about the main event winner takes all match. The old title, the new title to become the undisputed Ring of Honor world champion. Jonathan Gresham, the interim champion, went against Bandito who had Chavo Guerrero Jr. So apparently, I guess Tony finally answered his phone. Um, But yeah, Chavo was there just to be the manager where Bendito told him earlier, hey, don't pull any of that heel shit. Like, don't help me out or anything like that. Like, I'm I'm legit. Like, I don't don't need your help. And Chavo's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he does that in the course of the match, which was a great match. And both these guys are fucking awesome. He does that in the course of the match. And I, and I think Caprice Coleman also said this. Like, I think this is the first time a wrestler has kicked out his own manager. Like, his has, has made a big deal to the referee <laughs> to kick out his own manager because he kept on trying to fuck over Jonathan Gresham and Bandito wasn't having it. Having it. Uh, is, if Bandito is not going to be a part of Ring of Honor going forward after this, dude, Conan, he's in AAA. Put the fucking belt on him. The guy is... He's just like Pentagon. I don't know how the hell they've never had to make a championship. I mean, it's the main belt over there, and they're two of like the biggest luchadors, I would say, in uh, you know outside of Mexico, not let alone in Mexico. But I really like Bandito. I mean, just his frame. It's it reminds me of Ray, but like his look kind of gives me a Hayabusa kind of feel and Kuvi. You know, he just he just looks like you would have had him back in the day in WCW battling with the cruiserweights i don't know he actually might be thicker than fucking ray he might he actually kind of has like that dynamite kid or uh uh sayama tiger mask body but um just a great match we'll talk about the aftermath in a second but jonathan gresham retained and beat bandito to become that unified champion and uh yeah a uh, good match uh, went on for almost 30 minutes uh, 25 minutes to, to be exact, or 24.55. I'm not rounding. Chris, what did you think about this match? I, I liked this match a lot. I liked Bandito. Um, the interaction that he had with Chavo earlier in the night actually played into the match. There was one spot where Chavo pushed him out of the way of a dive from Gresham, and Bandito got pissed at him. He's like, what are you doing? And uh, that wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. Chavo hit Gresham with a belt and Bandito could have won. Could have won the match right there, but he's a good guy. And because he's a good guy, he lost the fucking title <laughs> by getting put in the office. Should have cheated. Should have cheated. So I liked the storytelling in this match. I think it gives, you know, it doesn't paint Bandito in a bad light. And obviously they're setting up for Gresham and lethal, like you pointed out earlier, which is, Kind of the, let's say, the afterbirth of this match, um, just because for lack of better words and too much listening to Jim Cornette. Uh, but it, it was way different than the Briscoes match. 
I think both matches were really good. I wouldn't be insulted if someone said they liked this match more. I would be confused, but not insulted. Um, it was a damn good match. Bandito's incredible. Anytime he gets on the ropes, it is kind of like a Ray Phoenix type thing where you're just like, how the hell does somebody do that with their body? It's insane. Um, as far as the AAA championship goes, uh, they never put the title on the right person there. So I have no fucking idea <laughs> what to tell you on that. So weird. Psycho Clown, I just checked it out as well. Psycho Clown, Pentagon, and uh, him, Bandito, has never won their world championship, their mega title, which is their top championship. Okay. Anyways, um, so nothing against Vikingo. He's just brand new, and it's like you got all these guys that are like big everywhere else. You think, I love Conan. I'm not going to question his uh, booking abilities, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But um, the next night after we got through Impact, NXT, Ring of Honor, AW, Rampage, SmackDown, we finally got to and, and any weird GCW show that you might have watched or anything else. You finally got to WrestleMania, though. Night one, two night jam packed WrestleMania. Going into this, me and Chris said that night two's lineup, even with possibly the, the additions of a Cody Seth match, and whatever happens with Austin and Kevin Owens, night two to us both looked, you know, it just looked a little more appealing outside. I think the uh, Knoxville fucking I'll, I'll get to that anyways. But um, I think I think night one actually was fairly better, I would say, than night two. Well, what do you think, Chris? I, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you, but it's unfair because night one had a Kevin Owens Stone Cold Steve Austin match on it. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not really fair <laughs> to any other like it would have it. I, you know, it's it's one of those weird ones. Uh, I did. I'm going to go ahead and tell you if anything interesting happened on the pre-show. I did not see any of it. I did not watch the pre-show for this. The only thing that I will. Well. Besides Jerry the King Lawler, who's now become the old man that has to tell jokes every five fucking seconds while people are talking about important shit. Or not important shit, but like everyone's like talking about how analyzing this match. And you got JBL and you got Booker T and you got that bald fucking radio guy. I forgot what the hell his name is. And Kayla and she's trying to maintain it. And Jerry Lawler's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, just dad joke inserted. And they're like, okay. Jake Paul was on the fucking pre show. And he cut a promo on behalf of Logan Paul. And while this was going on, the amount of heat he was getting with the audience behind him, talking crap about them. And you could tell that Kayla was like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't say anything stupid. Like, she had that that shock look on her face. But I was like, after the fucking, I'll, I'll say right now, after, after the, the Logan Paul match with the Miz against the Mysterios, Vince, hire fucking the Paul brothers. Just do it, dude. They're natural heels. I don't know if Jake can do a decent job like his brother did, which I honestly think he did do in his match. But, man, fucking heat magnets. Anyways, let's start off this unfortunate match we had for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Usos, the champs going against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs, that they fucking pulled this out of their ass last minute. But the story of the match, less than seven-minute match, was supposed to go on longer. They had to, which is amazing because they had to cut the uh, New Day match against Sheamus and Buck and whatever the fuck. Um, to the next day, which 
was only it was less than two minutes. So I don't know what the hell was the big deal about it. Obviously, they cut time, but this got cut down to seven minutes because at one part, uh, Rick Boogs had Jimmy Uso up in a fisherman carry, and the idea was Jay was going to jump on top to try to knock it over, but he was going to catch both of them and then give them both, like, you know, a Samoan drop or whatever to show off his strength. Well, unfortunately, when Jay hit on top, ugh, Rick Boogs... I mean, his ACL, everything fucking tore in his knee, and he just went down and started just, you know, just wrenching in pain, dragged himself to Shinsuke, tagged him in, and went on the outside, and then medics were shortly over there. But, yeah, he's going to be out for at least six to seven months. Not the best first WrestleMania moments. I felt bad for him, uh, but... I mean, I knew the Usos were going to win this. Chris, what did you think about this first match on WrestleMania? Not a good start, I'll say. No, it was gnarly. I will say that, you know, I'm trying to look at the positives. Boog's knee just giving out on him. That sucks. That's terrible. But when he tagged in Nakamura, being that this man doesn't speak a whole lot of English or doesn't speak English very well, I should say, he went on a hell of a fucking run hitting a German su- suplex, setting up for the Kinshasa. Um, the fact that they were still able to get all that shit in for the finish was kind of in- impressive for the people that were left in the match. And obviously, Sinwell wishes to Books. That sucks uh, that he's going to be out that long. And I, what, I don't know what that means for Nakamura. Maybe he gets uh, cut. <laughs> Which I don't know if uh, he would be well. terribly sad at terribly sad about because that would mean that he would be well if he gets cut this week he'd be he'd be ready for the g1 tournament <laughs> if he really does want to go back to japan um but no i mean that sucks for both guys i obviously they were i, I up until that point i thought they were having a pretty good match and yeah some of the stuff they've done with Na- nakamura and Boogs has been some of the more entertaining stuff they've done with nakamura in a very long time so just sucks for that guy hopefully his surgery goes well and he comes back better than ever and absence makes the heart grow fonder. So as long as he comes back and the fans give him the same kind of reaction, maybe he'll get a bit of a push. Who knows? Well, he doesn't have competition for some other guitar guy taking over because Elias is gone and his brother Ezekiel uh, is now here. (laughs) That was such a stupid segment. Shout out to Kevin Owens for calling him a fucking dumbass, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at least Kevin Owens immediately killed it off. Is is WWE making fun of themselves for renaming wrestlers? Is that what they're what they're doing now? He went. He he looked. He looked like a fucking generic creator wrestler. It was like in reverse. It was like, you know, before when you're just kind of generic, you have like trunks, hair. You know, you just you look like that, and then you gain a character. And you turn into Elias. All right, whatever. We'll see what the fuck happens. I'm sure this will be great for him. Maybe he'll come back as El Vagabondo again, (laughs) which would be great. I've been pushing for that for a long time. I know. It's great. (laughs) All right, well, this next match, it was like, okay, now we're like, God, I hope this picks up. Uh, And Drew McIntyre went against Happy Corbin. He beat him fairly quickly. Eight-minute match. And once again, try to, or or at least threaten that he was going to cut off Madcap Moss's uh, head. Now, the only time he took a swing at him, Chris, was in Saudi Arabia. That says a fucking lot. 
Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah. Once again, another situation where I'm like, poor Drew. Like, the fuck? I, I mean, poor, poor Corbin at this point. <laughs> like, I feel bad for Drew, but now it's like, I feel bad for Corbin as well, because they've both been stuck. This storyline's been going on for four months. I actually feel bad Terrible. for everyone involved in it. <laughs> and I love how um, WWE tries to put heat into it. By saying that that terrible comment that Corbin did on Friday about Drew's mother being like the blade, like they're no longer with him. Like, what the? Like, WWE fucking suck at trying to get heat sometimes. There was a cool spot where uh, Corbin dodged the Claymore and hit into days, which is still a fucking sick finisher. Yeah, it is. <laughs> McIntyre still kicked out and beat the shit out of him, so it didn't really matter. But <laughs> that was a fun spot. All right, well, we were talking about a second ago. We have The Miz and Logan Paul going against Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. And it's funny. It's not funny, but Dominic Mysterio was kind of like the odd man out, I feel like, in this match in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. I just feel like he needs, like, a masked gimmick or something, maybe a heel turn. Or maybe he should have just been NXT for a little while longer instead of just because Ray wanted him on the fucking main roster to win the tag titles with them, bringing him up there before he was ready. But... I thought Logan Paul was great in this match, man. He was athletic as hell. You could tell that he really took it seriously. And, uh, I mean, he was good. And, you know, normal spots. You had the double 619 spot. But inevitably, Logan would get the win for his team. Him and the Miz won. And then afterwards, the Miz, to, to get a pop from the audience, basically to prove that he is more the ultimate heel, gave uh, Logan Paul... You know, his, his, his finisher. It's uh, very out of nowhere, I think. But uh, Miz got cheered for that. So I guess Logan Paul is just really good at being a heel. But what is this going to lead to? Logan Paul versus The Miz? Uh, who do you root for? <laughs> I mean, I guess The Miz, right? <laughs> I don't. Is Maurice going to be there? You're not our asshole. The... He's our asshole. Yeah, does our asshole get Maurice at ringside with him? Because if so, I'm cheering for The Miz. Well, if Logan Paul gets to bring Riley Reed, I'm choking. I'm I'm cheering for uh for Logan Paul. <laughs> I don't know. Maurice cracks me up though. I'm still still might be cheering for Maurice. Oh no, I just I uh, think Riley that, Reed's a hot porn star. That's all. That's gonna be a weird intergender tag match for next Mania. What's Riley pulling uh, out of her dress? <laughs> oh. Um, I did. I, I did write in my notes. Shout out to Logan Paul for wearing some Pokemon cards around his neck. That thing was five million dollars. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that's what they said. That's like when the Young Bucks wore those ten thousand uh, dollar Jordans with the custom thumbtacks built on the bottom of them. Oh, uh, this was fine. I mean, it it was. I was surprised that the Miz and Logan Paul won, <laughs> but yeah, it was what, I don't know where you go from this. Now the Miz is going to be on his own for the next until I don't know, rumble or SummerSlam when they need to put him with another tag team partner again for, to get people to watch. Uh, what does this mean for the Miz? Is he still? I didn't get to watch all of Raw. Is he still feuding with Ray and Dominic now? 
they weren't on it. I don't think at all. Okay, so we're just gonna forget about we're just forget about this and move forward. I guess is what we're going with. But I, I agree with you. Like Logan Paul, did he uh, did he call Paul McCa- uh, McAfee and be like, "Who did you get trained by? Is Rip Rogers secretly training all of the <laughs> all of these celebrities that want to be wrestlers?" <laughs> yeah. The Rip Rogers Wrestling School for Celebrities. I would laugh well, so hard. That, I'm gonna have to. If that was true, that's the case. <laughs> if that was true, then Johnny Knoxville would have gone over there, and then Rip would have killed him because you know he didn't want the fucking business to look stupid again. That's <laughs> just true. That's true. But no, all joking aside, I, I, you know, it's good that celebrities have started taking their appearances more seriously. We're not that far removed from. Snooky <laughs> being in a match with Trish Stratus. So, and while they were on the same team, they were still in, in a match together. So, you know, when you look at it like that, it's good to see at least when people are coming in, they're actually trying to learn moves so that they make sense. And they keep it kind of simple. Like when they have Paul, he, he avoided, like, he just avoided Rey Mysterio for a while and did some splits in the middle of the ring. That was kind of his whole big spot so it's not like he did too much but at least within the match it was fun who cares everyone hated logan paul they're the heels i'm surprised they let them win the it would have made more sense for Rey mysterio and dominic to win the match especially if logan paul's not sticking around but whatever that's nitpicking it was fine yep that's right dominic actually lost to someone on monday so i do remember something from him but anyways uh, the next four matches I really liked, uh, uh, especially these next two. I don't know yet which one I liked more because I've both watched them back twice. But uh, I think Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins should be very happy for themselves as a uh, married couple because they had probably the two best matches, I would say, on night one. I love the last match, and we'll talk about it, but it was more spectacle than anything. When it comes to the actual like, technical-looking match especially the way they did it uh, bianca belair becky lynch awesome match raw women's championship this was built up i would say once again kind of poorly because they just put it together uh since the rumble but this is all going back since SummerSlam, where becky came back you know screwed her over beat her in like two seconds took her title and then became obviously a heel um but man, these ladies, I like the spot where, where Becky took Bianca's hair and forced her to smash into the ring post. Thought that was really fucking clever. Uh, Bianca got kicked in the face towards the end from Becky. Definitely an accident for as much connection. She wasn't trying to like hurt her. And Monday, you didn't see her, Chris, if you missed it. Her eye was completely swollen shut. She looked like she had been in a boxing match and someone just punched her in her eye repeatedly, like Mike Tyson or some shit. So she got fucked up from that kick, but these ladies left it all in the ring. They beat the living hell out of each other and Bianca won and it made a lot of sense. My only problem with this is like the main event on night two. If you are the fucking champion, I don't care if you have a marching band out there. I don't care if Godzilla fucking walks with you to the fucking ring. The champion goes last. And even in this situation, I love Bianca. I think she's awesome. Obviously, from the last generation, the four horsewomen all see a lot of potential in her because they all want to work with her and they've all helped put her over. 
Uh, so I think that, you know, going forward, she's one of the, the big wrestlers in the company, female competitors, what have you. But Becky's Becky, and she fucking came out for I, – I just that's a nitpick that I'm never going to get over. But the match was awesome. These ladies beat the living hell out of each other. And Bianca got her move kind of out of nowhere, but it wasn't, like, abrupt. It was after a long match. She got her up, one, two, three, and she wins the championship belt. Back-to-back WrestleMania wins. Once, one against Sasha in the main event last year of night one. Second one in the middle of the card against Becky. Uh, both titles now. Just great. I, I, I really like Bianca. I think she's awesome, and I, and I really like Becky. I thought this was a great match. Chris, I think you're still on mute if you're talking right now, sir. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so this is easily match of the night if you take Kevin Owens and Stone Cold off. Because, like I said, that shouldn't even really count. Um, it's a spectacle to get to see Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestle again. So I'm going to go ahead and say this was, to me, was the best actual wrestling match of the night. And uh, my favorite spot, if I had to pick out one particular thing, is when Becky Lynch missed the moonsault and Belair locked on the disarmor on her and uh, Becky had to fight to the ropes. I thought that was pretty cool. I had that in my notes. I also have the same thing with you. Um, I don't know. The champ always comes out last, right? And then you should also do the big to-do, just like they did on Ring of Honor, and you know, make sure everyone knows it's a title match and how important it is before you start the match. But outside of that, this was great. Uh, Bianca also hit a 450 splash, which was pretty awesome. They fucking went deep, deep into their pockets for, for some of the moves they were pulling out in this match, especially, like you said, uh, the ring post spot with uh, Bianca's hair, using it as like a pulley <laughs> for force momentum. <laughs> Um, it was awesome. Fans gave them a this is awesome chant, and they weren't wrong. And uh, I liked this match better than the next match, but I liked the next match a lot as well. I don't think it was a surprise to me or you um, who came out next. I would. And the funny thing is, is they were almost the same amount of time. <laughs> they basically gave yep. them almost the same exact amount of time. And like you said, Seth and uh, Seth and Becky should go home happy knowing that they stole the majority of the show until. I mean, stone cold in Texas. There's not much you can do about that. The sound of glass breaking. That's the thing that changes everything. But also, and I will say this too. I know that Ron is a big name and Charlotte's last name's Flair. And that was kind of the main event presented. Obviously, they had the other match. But I now I even agree more with Becky. Becky was the first winner of a, of a main event out of, you know, that three women match with her. Um, Ronda and, and Charlotte, they were the two losers and Bianca beat in the main event, Sasha last year, they should have gone on last, not Charlotte and Ronda, but whatever, we'll get to that match. Like you said, the next match, Seth Rollins comes out, everyone's doing the, Oh, thing from his stuff. And he's in the ring and he's screaming random obscenities and doing his Joker laugh. Who's going to go against me? Stuff like that. And it gets quiet and then it gets dark. And I am automatically was like, Oh my God. Cause they just had him come out. No, no, no. It would be a couple more matches. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't do the hall of fame until I believe 
before the yeah right after this actually so undertaker comes out you know they do the entrance and shit like that but this the lights go out i'm like did they really get the undertaker to come out i thought that he was about to no they did the whole entire presentation of cody's entrance lights go out then you hear um uh wrestling or professional wrestling doesn't have just one uh known family or whatever the hell he says right at the beginning and then the music hits. It's his music from AEW. American Nightmare is on the screen with his fucking weird neck tattoo thing. You know, he comes up from the bottom, rising to the top. And I could not believe it. Like, even they didn't even cut out the audio of him saying professional wrestling, for Christ's sakes. Um, and the match was awesome. Uh, I do think I like the Bianca. Uh, there was just more into that. Obviously, this was just an impromptu match, but it just had this, I don't know, like late 80s, early 90s, WWF kind of feel to it, like a Randy Savage, Ric Flair match, you know, like they were really good in the ring. They did everything that they would normally do, you know, all their big moves, even the ones where at this point, one time Seth Rollins did the reverse, you know, inverted suplex into the, uh, the reverse uh ddt you know lifted one that that finn balor does i forgot what he calls it but it was a good match man i mean there was that one part where seth gave the kawada kicks to um cody and for the rest of the weekend literally had the imprints of his fucking boot laces on his forehead from those kicks but yeah they they had a great match cody had a great reaction from the crowd they all knew who he was and um, he followed it with a great promo about his dad on Monday and just breaking down how he's there to win the championship. That's what he's there for. So it's not unknown. They gave him a lot of money. They gave him his own bus. And he's done a fucking uh, a thing for Variety and also did media for them several places on Saturday that you can see on YouTube and shit. So... They're fully invested in Cody Rhodes, and I'm really happy for him. Him and Seth had a damn good match, and I don't, don't think they've ever worked together. So that, that even shows you how they are as workers. They're both great. But um, just good stuff, Chris. Yeah, my, my favorite section of the match is when um, you you know it's going to be a good match when Rollins goes for a Phoenix Splash, even if he hits it or not. <laughs> so he goes for that. Phoenix splash and then it sets up uh, later on like right after Rollins goes for a pedigree and then Cody escapes and sets up like he's going for the pedigree and all the fans pop and he still doesn't do a fucking pedigree even though he's in WWE <laughs> I love how I love how I Dustin laughed. Dustin tweeted out fuck the pedigree after he uh, kicked out to it right afterwards yeah, it was great. That was a really fun spot. There was good moments in this match. The only thing is, is this is also coming off the heels of what I think is one of Cody's best matches, that ladder match he had with Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Um, so, but good nonetheless, especially for a WrestleMania match. I, I still think the Bianca match was a little bit better. I thought it was just paced a little better. They did some... Some very interesting things, but like you said, what Cody Rhodes has never worked with Rollins and Bianca Belair and Becky have worked together in the ring for a while. So hopefully this will lead to some more matches between these two. Um, I don't, I, I must, what, what is Rhodes setting up for next? 
Because, I, I mean, I called it his promo, but where do you think that's going? He said he wanted to win a title. He didn't specify, really. Oh, he specified. He wants the world title because Dusty didn't oh, he, get it. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, okay, so it's it's like we've kind of predicted he's going after Roman. It gives Roman something to do after Mania. Yep. I would assume so, and I don't, I don't know. I think what Cody should do, I think he should be the one who wins the, uh, the money in the bank this year. I think he would be a good person to have it. Because if you're already thinking about doing that, you're having him come out and cut promos about, you know, how he was able to hand a title. They didn't say what title, obviously the NWA title, but he was able to have that that his dad had, but then showing the picture of him in Madison Square Garden where he won the match, but it was due to count out and technically in NWA or wherever he was, normally he would win the match, but WWE has different rules with that, which I agree with count out should not cause a championship, but the picture of him with the WWE championship belt, the one belt dusty wasn't able to get the one belt. Dustin wasn't able to get, you know, that's now Cody's main agenda. Uh, and I mean, the promo just sounded Chris, very just natural. Like it didn't seem like, it was written by writers. Like they gave him some leeway to be able to go out there and putting that trust in the Cody. It's just strange. He gets his own fucking bus. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's already talking about wanting to go for the championship. They gave him more money. He said than he's made period so far, like the offer to him. I mean, good for him, but that's, it's still crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's every, it's what everyone thought. Now, if you're Kevin Owens, you're probably not too happy about signing that $3 million deal, dollar deal and not getting your own bus, but then wrestling the biggest match on this fucking show. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, good for Cody, man. Make that money. Um, the promo was good. Um, it's weird they're setting him up. It's weird that there's one champion now. And, I mean, I guess – all roads, no pun intended, is, is pointing to Cody to some extent. What the hell is he going to do? Like, what is Roman going to do in the meantime? I guess we'll find out more on more tomorrow. But that my worry is they're going to fucking force this way too early and just have Cody blues to Roman immediately. And then they're going to be paying a guy $5 million up until he wins money in the bank. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good point. But now, beforehand, we're like, condensed titles to one. And now I'm like, wow, now Roman has, Bobby Lashley has a good reason to wind that title. Brock Lesnar, who's probably going to want a rematch. Cody's calling for it. Kevin Owens is still making comments about it. He's got two shows worth of different people that now want the, want the fucking unified two belts or whatever the hell. It's like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe we do need two champions. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, that that's the problem with the two titles was not the heavyweight division. It's more of no. the other titles that are never on pay-per-views or the women's tag division or having two separate tag titles in the men's tag division. It's that kind of shit. Not necessarily the heavyweight titles. Now, you could elevate the Intercontinental title, and maybe that's what they're going to do. So, I don't know. WrestleMania Reset. Give them time to breathe, I guess, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I just don't have a whole lot of faith. It ain't going very well. Yeah. All right. Well, next match, uh, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey. 
I mean, 18 minutes. I think that they fucked up Ronda. I, I really honestly think that she should have been quiet, tough as hell, much more aggressive. Just treat her like fucking Brock Lesnar back in the day. Give her a fucking mouthpiece. I don't understand. Like I said, if Paul Heyman just recently interviewed said that he really wanted to manage her, but he was already managing Roman, why can't you fucking manage both? They're on, on two different shows, whatever. Uh, she could have used a mouthpiece is what I'm saying. I think that she's intimidating. So why the fuck are you having her talk and try to be relatable to as a baby face? It was so stupid. So I thought there were a lot of good parts in this match. There was a lot of sloppiness too, but nothing too terrible. Um, and I'm glad that Charlotte won. I, I did not want to see Ronda win the match. Um, I loved all the reversals of the submissions. I thought they did a really good job doing that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that the appeal of this match, the sound of it, uh, was more appealing than the match itself. I mean, for what it was and where it fell on the card, because it just followed two really great matches, I thought it was pretty good for what they were able to do. Um, I would say maybe it went a little too long. And if they condensed this down, we'd probably be talking about the match a little differently. They probably had Ronda do too much in this match. I think if this is like a 10-minute match, um, there's less opportunity to fuck up or get awkward. (laughs) We might have been talking about the match a little differently. By no means was this the worst thing on the show, though. Um, Solid match, but like you said, uh, when Ronda came out and insulted the fans and then immediately started backpedaling and being a happy-go-lucky babyface, she kind of lost all credibility. And then she loses to Charlotte here. So, I mean, is there is there any more reason to keep Ronda around? Was this a one-off? Is, is she going to be a force to reckon with going forward? Because you basically told me she ain't shit by having Charlotte win here. I don't know, man. Put her and Shayna together and have them fucking just dominate or some shit. I don't fucking know. I mean, I'll I... Figure I, it out. I I mean, they they tried to set up the rematch with Robinson getting speared, and they did the ref bump spot. So I'm assuming there'll be at least one more match. Yeah, she did kind of get fucked over uh, twice in that match uh, <laughs> towards the end because wasn't it she got a three count, but then Charlotte got her leg on the rope, kind of like what happened last night in the uh, FTR Bucks match, and right. like he reversed the decision. So, yeah, I'd be pissed yeah. off if I was Ronda, honestly. But it's also one of those situations where it's like, well, I mean, what do you do? A no DQ match or a no rope? But like, how? there's no advantage for Ronda in a no DQ match. Um, <laughs> realistically, uh, nope. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you go with that. I'm assuming there will be one more match, though. So if you for the fans out there that didn't want to see this to begin with, based on the finish, you would think there'd be at least one more coming. Yep. Um, maybe it's going to be at WrestleMania Backlash because it looks like like all those matches will probably just be like, you know, matches, rematches from this fucking pay-per-view. Also, didn't New Day and. Uh... Versus Sheamus and Holland just get completely bumped from this fucking show. 
Well, no, it was on, but it was a two-minute match on night two that got bumped from night one because they went over too much. Oh, God. I don't even remember it from night two. But I did watch that half... Well, I watched half of it Sunday night and some of it Monday morning, so maybe I just blazed past it if it was only two minutes. But I know it got... It's like in my notes, I was like, where the hell is this match? (laughs) You might have, like, closed your eyes from farting and you would have fucking missed it. All right, well, speaking about not a, a fart, a much better concept, if you will. We had the Kevin Owens show. Kevin Owens comes out, of course, insults Texas, and sets up bringing out his guests. Uh, I love how it was obviously taking, for whatever reason, longer. So then Kevin Owens starts talking shit again on top of the mic, and then the glass hits. Everyone fucking explodes. Austin comes out. I when I saw him with the knee braces, I was like, he's even wearing the short shorts with it. So that doesn't even like why the fuck would we wear all this unless he's having a match? Um, yeah, he comes to the ring and uh, Kevin Owens. They go back and forth. You know, Austin calls him a dumb son of a bitch. Uh, Kevin Owens basically admits to him finally, like, I didn't bring you out here actually to like have a conversation. Like, I want to fight you. And I'm like, oh, my God, like the whole feeling was like we kind of were hoping we 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 were told that they might do this. Then we heard about the trepidation with with uh, Austin from other reports, but also from Jr. saying, you know, having a conversation when they first talked about it uh, on his podcast, just being like, yeah, Austin wasn't really too thrilled about trying to have a match when they first pitched this to him. But they convinced him to do it. Austin asked the audience if they want to see one last match with with Austin at WrestleMania to beat up Kevin Owens. Give me a hell yeah. Everyone said hell yeah. And we were off. And they, I thought this was going to be like a little bit of a match, kind of squash-ish, stunner. It's over. No. Fucking Kevin Owens wanted a no-holds-barred match with Austin. He agreed to it. And they fought for almost 15 minutes. They fought into the audience. Uh, there was a great spot before that, actually, where Kevin Owens set up a table, and I knew, I dude, I messaged you right before it happened, and I said, does Kevin Owens realize when he leaned up that table that whenever he sets up tables, he seems to go through them a lot. Two seconds later, he goes to fucking throw Stone Cold through it. Austin comes, throws his ass through it. I thought Austin did great. I have to agree with Sullivan Monster. At first, uh, I think that he was kind of getting his groove back. I mean, his kicks in the corners never have looked amazing, but, you know, they were definitely a little bit more slowed down, but he was also trying to get the audience in with, like, a 10 count. Um, But once he started drinking, I swear to God, and the audience really was behind him, it's like he got into fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin mode. And once that was happening, he puts fucking KO through a table, they fight in the audience, he takes a back suplex on the goddamn concrete, and I'm like, wow, did not expect that to happen. He must have saw Sting going through tables and was like, goddamn, kid. Because Austin was fighting Owens. He puts he he fucking like basically power slams him almost through the announce table, gets on top of the announce table, spills beer all over him, punches him a bunch of times. They're going back and forth. They get inside the ring. Uh Kevin Owens, you know, gets him into a stunner right at three. Austin gets out of it. And then the ending spot. So good. 
Uh, Kevin Owens goes to hit him with the chair, hits it on top ropes, nails himself in the head. As soon as he gets twirled around, Stone Cold Stunner, one, two, three. Stone Cold wins and, you know, kicks the piece of trash. Kevin Owens out of the ring. And then you have the beer bath, bunch of beers. He gets, uh, or Kevin Owens gets up again, gives him another stunner. Then he calls Byron Saxon in. This is the second time, Byron. You still went in this time. What are you doing? Uh, Byron gets in. You know, they drink a beer, gives him a stunner, and then his brother comes in the ring, and they're, you know, just partying until end of night one goes off, and I was on cloud nine. It was awesome. I loved it. It sucks that some of the biggest moments in this night, especially for the audience, for me, was Stone Cold coming out having a match. The two times I got to hear Undertaker, you know, both nights come out and do his thing. Hunter coming out at the beginning of night two. And just like I said, it's a realization that, yeah, the attitude error is pretty much done. You know, it's 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 over. But this is a great uh, and we'd have him come out again Sunday because you got to have the crowd happy. But uh, just awesome. I'm so happy for Kevin Owens. I know that he's happy about this. This must have been a fucking dream that he never thought was going to happen. And apparently Austin picked him. So that was Austin's thing. You notice that no one else used the table the whole entire fucking night. I wonder if Austin's like, no, we got the spot. We're doing it. Sorry. Like, because <laughs> that's unreal. Don't kill, the, don't kill the gimmick. <laughs> hey, man. No, no one else killed the gimmick tonight. I'm using the damn thing. Yeah, damn. <laughs> What'd you think? Uh, it was awesome. As soon as the glass hit, I was fucking on my feet. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> my wife's like, what are you yelling? I'm like, it's Austin. <laughs> it's 316. <laughs> I think I posted like 75 posts on Facebook, like immediately. <laughs> um, love Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they couldn't have picked a greater opponent for him. And this is exactly what me and you predicted it would be. I did think that they would hold the match off till the second night, but we got the match. It was exactly what I thought it would be. Owens taking an ass whipping pretty much the entire night. He had two moves in this match, which is the back body drop on the ramp. Um, and then he hit when, uh, when they, when he drives them that when basically when all of the stuff happened with the ATV, Owens gets into the ring first and hits Austin with a stunner. And that was the only close fall Owens had the entire time, which was fun to see. Owens hit Stone Cold with a stunner. It was a good moment, kind of a callback to The Rock, where people probably for a second were like, oh my God, are they going to have Kevin Owens beat Austin like that? Well, the answer to that was no. <laughs> and that leads into the Owens tear spot where he fucking whiffs and busts himself in the face and catches the stunner for the huge pop and the huge win. Stone Cold giving everybody stunners out here, drinking a bunch of beer. He is like Popeye. Uh, he started drinking beer and it was like, da, 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 da. essentially he went full Austin. It was great. Phenomenal. One of my favorite WrestleMania moments of the past five to 10 years. Easily loved every moment of this. If this is the last time we ever see Austin on a WrestleMania outside of just hosting one or whatever, I'm completely fine with it. The fact that he came out of retirement to do this one match and in Jerry's world in Dallas, Texas, Fucking phenomenal. Good shit. This made up for anything bad on both nights of WrestleMania easily. Tenfolds for me. I loved it. 
I loved it. It was great. And I can't wait to see Austin against Goldberg in Saudi Arabia in a couple months. Um, I'm just kidding. God, dude. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like something Stone Cold would do unless you back a fucking brake uh, truck uh, up to his house. <laughs> well, damn, you going to pay me that much, kid? God damn. <laughs> I mean... That's I, I don't that would have to be a stupid amount of money because I don't know that he would want to work a match with uh, Mr. Goldberg. But it's cool that he chose Owens. I think he chose the right opponent. Like, I can't think of anyone else there that would I mean, maybe Sami Zayn if he wasn't so goofy. But, you know, Kevin Owens <laughs> is perfect in these kind of matches and uh, did a great job of just taking an ass whipping from Stone Cold. I just love the I love the concept in my head. I've thought about of like Vince. He's talking to Kevin Owens and Sammy. They found out how much they're, you know, they're both getting paid. It's like, are you guys happy with that? They're like, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, great. Well, I got two WrestleMania matches for you. KO, you're going to be going against Stone Cold Steve Austin. He chose you. Sammy's like, who am I going against? Am I going against Rey Mysterio? Am I going against, like, fucking Ricky Steamboat? You're going to go against the whole fucking cast of jackass and mostly giant Knoxville, and they're going to fucking beat you with a giant mousetrap. Okay, fuck it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it helps that Sammy's friends with Johnny Knoxville or has made friends with him, apparently. I guess it that makes it go down a little easier, but yeah. We'll get but there. Definitely, definitely weird circumstances. <laughs> What a difference in opponents. That's all I got to say. And I love Sammy. But um, night two uh, started off, I think, uh, with more of a bang than night one. Obviously, there was limited, you know, concept with what happened to Boogs. But RK Bro, going at Street Profits and Alpha Academy, I thought it was going to be Alpha Academy. I mean, I guess if you're making money, man, and this is just working... I think you were the one who picked RK bro. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but Hey man, Brandy's having a lot of fun. This was a fun fucking opener. It was very fast paced all over the place. Montez Ford, the blockbuster that he does is just fucking ridiculous too, man. He does. He just can get so much air for his size. He must've played basketball in high school and shit, but, uh, RK bro won, and they continue to just, you know, dominate the way that they do but randy looks like uh, did you hear did you hear what fucking cody said about him no what do you say so in the press conference he was talking about randy he goes yeah the one person i don't get he's like now randy's like a family man and everything like he doesn't get into trouble and i don't believe any of it he goes he goes i i i just i can't picture him like this he's like i'm really happy for my friend but uh you know, he's got his kids and his wife, and he's calmed down. He's having fun, and he's not getting into trouble. He's like, I think that I'm going to try to, like, just start prodding him with stuff to see if I can, you know, see if he really is not the Viper anymore. And he's like, I'll just tell him that someone said something about him and see if I can just start, like, the wheels turning. <laughs> I'm like, Cody, don't do that. Brady's having he's, – he's, like, having fun. He's not on drugs, and he's fucking happy. Like, what are you talking about? But he's I mean, like, no, he's, I'm on... just, he's like, no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm really happy for Randy. But, you know, this is the guy that taught me a lot when I first came into wrestling and just was this. We all know about the stories about Randy Orton back in the day. I mean, Orton's on some form or, or what some states would call drugs, <laughs> hanging out with Riddle. The state and that we about, live in. 
<laughs> how uh, how Riddles grows his favorite strand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, this was a great match. The big spot at the end was double RKOs out of nowhere. You got Ford getting an RKO from Riddle and Gable getting an RKO from Orton. It was a fun match, very fast paced. Um, I'm not surprised they kept a arc. They haven't done anything to make me think otherwise. I mean, me and you were thinking they would have set up something at Rumble to do a match with Riddle and Orton at Mania. And when they didn't do that, yeah, I was like, well, I guess I'll just keep the titles on RK Bro because, I mean, it's still working. There's no reason to. I mean, how long they keep the titles on the New Day? And have them face the same like two tag teams. I mean, there's no reason to break it up. They're still a fun part of the show. So, no, I agree. And you are correct, sir, in your reasoning. So they're going to keep it on them. They're making a lot of money with their merch. I get it. Uh, next match. Oh wow, Bobby Lashley versus Omas. Now I knew where this was going, and I called it, and it did happen on Monday Night Raw, but. Uh, I was surprised. I like Bobby Lashley, but I mean, this is Omos dominating him. He had that one goofy spot where I think that they, I'm assuming, you know, with Omos and how he's limited, um, they went over stuff, and I guess he wasn't there for a spot, but he looked like he reacted like Bobby Lashley actually hit him when he didn't. I forgot specifically what happened, but it was really awkward looking. But other than that, people really... I mean, maybe I, I maybe I'm just crazy, but people give a lot of shit to Omos. Yeah, he needs work in the ring. He's fucking humongous. He's fucking seven four, seven five, but he's only 26 years old, so he's still young. It's and honestly, when it comes down to confidence, uh, with you know, even though he's just loud and he just yells a bunch of shit, the 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 facial expressions of confidence. Like, he just has personality. I'm sorry. Like, since, you know, we have Big Show and we have Andre. In between them, we have a lot of guys like Giant Silva and the Great Kali and fucking Giant Gonzalez who are just, like, up there, no personality whatsoever. Uh, I just think Omos does have more potential than a lot of people give him credit. And I was surprised that Bobby Lashley, with the stuff going on with his shoulder... Uh, was able to give him even a fucking uh, a a small suplex, uh, uh, you know, like he did. But he beat him. It was with a spear to the back, which would be a fucking recurring theme of this night of how to beat people. You know, Corey said, "Oh, uh, spear to the kidneys." Looked stupid, but um, Bobby Lashley would come out, have another confrontation with Omas, and who turns on him? on Raw, but MVP, who wasn't even there for the match, because he wasn't asked by Bobby Lashley to come with him, and he fucks him over and is now going to be the mouthpiece for Omas going forward, and I'm assuming Bobby Lashley is now going to be gone for a minute um, for his shoulder. Uh, Whether or not it needs surgery or not, I don't remember. I thought it did. You know, he obviously needs a nurse that needs more time off, so... All right, MVP and Omas. I'm curious of how, where the hell that goes. Well, they, they delayed his surgery so that he could do this match at Mania, so that's still something that's up and that he's still going to have to get done and fixed. Uh, there was the... I didn't mind as much of, like, almost like, selling something that wasn't there. That happens all the time. Uh, but there was this one spot where almost throws Lashley 
into the the corner, and the back of Lashley's head hit the ring post. Oh, and, that was bad. I forgot about that. And that looked really, really fucking scary. Um, but Lashley was fine, luckily. But that was a really, really scary spot when you have two big people like this um, who maybe don't know their own strength because they're as big as they are. Stuff like that t- happens every once in a while. But that that was the scariest spot in the match. The rest of it was fine. I mean, more of my problem with this is if you're going to put Braun Breaker on the main roster anyways and almost had a, like an open challenge, would it have made more sense for like Braun Breaker to win this match since almost was undefeated going into this? especially if Lashley's going on for surgery or putting over like some young talent um, as opposed to Lashley. Cause Lashley didn't need a win here necessarily, especially if he's going to be off TV for, you know, two or three months. So that that's my only qualm with the match. But outside of that, I mean, it was fine. It, it, it Lashley looks small standing next to almost, which just further goes, shows you how big fucking almost is. He's humongous. Uh, how do you like a, a, MV, a heel MVP now with almost as his mouthpiece manager? I actually like actually, that aspect bad. of it. I think that's uh that's a good that's a good call for them to put MVP because MVP can definitely talk. So that's that was a smart move if they're going to continue to do stuff with almost going forward. But I don't know who the hell they're going to have face the guy. Um, Baba Kato again for the millionth time. So you can get destroyed. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tabakato, sorry man, you gotta go get beat up again. I forgot what the fuck he's called now. Uh, just doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, Bobby Lashley. I I also think this is smart because Bobby Lashley. So if he's gonna be gone and maybe he's going to get a surgery now and he'll come back because you know they took him out with Omos and MVP beating the crap out of him. When he does come back. He still has a claim for that title because of the fact that he got kind of fucked over from that whole entire situation storyline-wise. So maybe now he won't have to do that immediately because he's going to want to come back and go for revenge. So they're extending that inevitable match with him and Roman for whenever. So I think all this makes a lot of sense. I like Omas. I think that since he's so damn young, he's got a lot of fucking potential. He's just – it's going to be awkward, but – you know, I think that he is the most impressive big man they've had since Big Show. Um, and the intimidation factor more so than Big Show. Because unfortunately, I feel like w- WCW definitely made Big Show. They had us all thinking, a lot of us at least, including my dad, that that was Andre's son for the longest time. That, that you know, he was the second coming of Andre. But unfortunately, I feel like Vince has always kind of seen Big Show as like the second coming of King Kong Bundy. So, and King Kong Bundy never got the title, but I feel like if he ever did back then, because they were different about Reigns, he would have had it for like a month or two and then lost it again, which is what constantly happened to Big Show. So he was more of attraction, but nothing like to that level. So, and I'm not saying Omos is going to be Andre. No one's ever going to be Andre. That was a freak of nature, especially when he was in his prime in the 70s. But he could be something. But people just want to shit on him immediately. And I'm like, he's seven fucking four. Jesus. Like, all the big guys have worked with him in NXT. Kevin Nash. Fucking show was before he left. Taker saw a lot of potential in him. Scott Hall. Let's see what the fucking happened. I don't know why we would be like, let's get rid of this seven five guy. He sucks. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no reason he's not going to get better or can't get better if he continues to train and work with people. I mean, he's going to have a limited move set in the ring. The dude is the size. If he lays down across the ring, he's almost rope to rope. <laughs> like if he stretches his arms out. So I think people need to keep that in mind. I mean, he's just a big fucking dude. Um, the best thing they can do is build good matches around him with good opponents that can just sell their ass off for him and tell interesting storylines. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Yep. I think, you know, give him an opportunity. Let's see what happens. So far, we've seen him squash everyone. With the exception of this match. So let's just let's just see where it goes. Could be good. Hell, who knows? Maybe he'll get in there with Austin Theory and have some kind of weird <laughs> Spider-Man versus uh, Doc Ock kind of match or some shit. Well, he's one of those guys, along with Austin Theory, Braun Breaker, Solo Sokoa, uh, Montez Ford, Matt Riddle. You can tell that they're probably going to be inevitably guys that they look at in the next generation of wrestlers. Um, maybe even Volter to some extent. Uh, but, oh man, now I want to see him and Walter in the ring together. Anyways, but, uh, yeah, I think he has potential. I'll just keep it at that. Let's move on to the match I didn't want to talk about anyways. Anything goes match. It was Giant Oxville versus Sami Zayn. This was so fucking stupid. I liked Jackass back in the day. I was a CKY guy, actually, before that even happened. But just the outfit and just the ridiculousness. The fucking table with mousetraps on it, the giant mousetrap at the end, the hand that obviously is the adult hand that Mae Young gave birth to a long time ago. It's big. You know, Mark Henry's the dad. Makes a lot of sense, I guess. Um, The shoe that kicked Sammy in the balls. Wee Man body slamming Sammy Zayn. I'm sorry, I just can't get into this. I hate silly shit a lot of times. I don't mind silly stuff in situations or dialogue, but like when it's just a stupid concept like this, I can't get into it. And I don't hate Johnny Knoxville. Like, you know, he was their celebrity guest, whatever. But I don't know. They could have had a little bit more fun with this. And instead, Sammy had a sell for Johnny Knoxville, um, Wee Man, and Chris Pontius. And he got smashed by a giant mousetrap at the end and pinned. And Dave Metzler said that that this was one of the most embarrassing matches he's ever seen. If he had people with him, he wouldn't know how to, what to say to him. And to that I say, I agree with you, but uh, you also give credence to a lot of stupid shit in PWG, AEW, DDT, so whatever. Uh, but I thought it was fucking just dumb. Uh, it was entertaining, but it was fucking stupid. And for that... Friends of mine like Michael Hoyt loved it and other people, but I just thought that I can't get into a lot of comedy stuff like that. That's why I was like fast forwarding through most of spring break, Joy Janela's spring break, because I'm just like, what the fuck is this? This is so dumb. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old curmudgeon. Goddamn. I think it also depends on how much and how much, uh, how much of an affinity you have for jackass to some extent because as someone who hasn't seen the new movie and probably hasn't really paid attention to jackass since high school i felt hella fucking old watching this match with some of the comedy and 
I think there was a way to do this that wasn't as extreme, like the giant hand, for instance, or the giant mousetrap. Like, you know, like Sami Zayn getting hit in the nuts with a bowling ball. We saw that in Attitude Air. Like the Dudleys have done stuff like that. That's not too crazy. Or, you know, him getting sprayed in the face with a fire extinguisher. There's ways to do some of this stuff that's not absolutely insane. Uh, but they went maybe too far, like a robotic foot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, there was ways to do this and it'd be funny, but still have some sense of realism and not just come off as a bad comedy. But once again, it's WWE <laughs> doing comedy. You know, it's it's WWE doing comedy and then you throw jackass on top of that. And it's uh, for a company that really tries to be PG as of late. This was like not very <laughs> much that like there's one section Party of this board. match where they did a fucking <laughs> they basically did the he, Johnny Knoxville grabbed. This is this is exactly what happened. Johnny Knoxville grabbed Sami Zayn's dick with tongs and then tossed him onto a mousetrap table. That's shoot yeah. what happened. <laughs> and I've been telling Ken, I was like, I don't know, man. AEW does have a lot of blood. Maybe maybe the nieces should watch some WWE. I don't think that would be the worst thing. Well, hopefully they didn't watch this fucking match because then I would look like a complete <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's I, I get the concept of like AEW has a lot of blood and it's violent and they curse and it's like, yeah, well, they didn't have anyone throwing people by their dick with tongs. And Joey Janela did work there at one point in time. So, I don't. It was a bit much. Um, I don't know if Jim Cornette's had a speech on this yet or a rant, but I am. I am. Uh, my body is ready for it. Yeah, he hated it. Uh, um, he said, <laughs> "What what sucked about it?" He said that like after this, and then you know, he of course fast forward. He basically fast forward any match that was like multiple people outside of that first tag match. So like a lot of the multi matches, but like. He couldn't even get into Edge and AJ Styles, he said. He was so aggravated by it. <laughs> so, uh, and he only watched it because everyone wanted him to react to it. I'm like, why why, why the fuck are you people, like, prodding Jim to watch this fucking shit? You know he's going to have a fucking conniption. Motherfucker's going to have a heart attack one time, and Brian Last's not going to be able to revive his ass all the way in Jersey. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it was... It does feature Sami Zayn, the former El Generico, so I, I kind of want to hear what his comments was about that, um, considering the way he has ran down people like Kenny Omega and the Bucks in the past for doing similar stupid, goofy shit. Oh, he's 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 aggravated about Sami, but it's more of him like a, like, you know, he's he even made the comment. But he was ta- he talked about how both him and Kevin Owens were such pains in the ass, you know, because they were so like into their art. And it's like years later, this is your fucking art. Are you fucking kidding me? Like you 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 questioned me for any little thing because you thought that something was cheesy within your storyline, and then you have a fucking match with Johnny Knoxville where he ends you with a giant. And he goes, "I just hope you made a lot of money, basically. <laughs> like, hope the money was good." Uh. Yeah, I mean, those contracts they have are way better than what they were getting paid to bring him honor, to be fair. But uh, also, you didn't oh, yeah. see Kevin Owens in this match. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
Nope. KO fought fucking Stone Cold. <laughs> I feel bad for Sami Zayn. Um, the greatest NXT champion of all time is doing dick spots with Johnny Knoxville. That's where we're at in life. Well, there will be no dick spots in the next match because it was the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. And none of them have wieners, I don't think. All right, so Sasha Banks and Naomi went against the champions, Carmella and Queen Zelina, against Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley, against Natalia and Shayna Baszler. And I have to say that maybe it was fatigue from the match previous, but I don't remember a lot about this match. But I was right. Sasha Banks and Naomi won, and they are now the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. But still, I like that they have it, but I really still don't care about the titles. So, there you go. Kind of, I don't know. Sasha should be doing her own thing. Sasha should have had a, a Sasha should have had like a match against fucking Lita on this or some shit like that. That would have been much more than this giant clusterfuck of every other female putting them together in tag teams to try to get as much people on the fucking marquee as you can. But, whatever. So this is the last match I watched on Sunday before going to bed. I actually thought it was pretty good. I did like uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi coming out in the Lambo. That was fun. Kind of a little tribute cool. to Eddie Guerrero. That was a fun spot. And the the match itself was fine. I mean, what it was like, it's basically a 10-minute Raw match. But uh, Sasha and Naomi winning. I mean, out of the, the other thrown-together tag teams here, if you got to put it on somebody, why not them? I just don't understand. I think that they don't trust Sasha is more of the problem. Uh, yeah. Why she's not involved in a bigger storyline, unfortunately. Well, she's still a badass, but yeah, that makes that makes sense when you uh, put it like that. Uh, next match. One of uh, there were, you know, I'm trying. I'm looking at the whole entire card. The first match. This match and my favorite match actually was the Pat McAfee uh, Austin Theory match, and we'll get to that. But Edge and AJ Styles, 24 minutes and five seconds, singles match. Good match. I mean, I don't know how I feel about Edge's new character. Like, did he have a conversation with Mark and was like, hey, I'm going to use black and purple a lot, I'm going to kind of go dark. Is it supposed to be like the new brood? Is this supposed to be him trying to revive some semblance of the Ministry of Darkness? Not 100% sure. I'm intrigued. It just, like me and Chris have said, him flip-flopping from um, jumping from babyface guy who came back from a career-threatening injury, you know, and has a match with his wife against Miz and Maurice with Beth Phoenix to this version of him is very jarring. Didn't have a lot of progress of why this would have happened. But Tim and fucking AJ Styles, the two spots I can think of, I don't know why Edge and AJ thought it would be good to do a superplex onto the apron. Edge, you know, I know he doesn't have a back problem like like some wrestlers do, or or but he's got a stupid neck. He always jokes around about that. I mean, that's kind of close, but whatever. Uh, the ending, though, definitely. I, I've seen AJ do this with someone else, and I can't remember who. Maybe it was Roman. But he went to go do, obviously, after getting distracted by Damien, he tries to do the um, 
the springboard, uh, phenomenal forearm, and gets speared right in the air. And now Edge and Damien are in some type of group in cahoots together. And Rhea Ripley is definitely joining them. That's pretty much confirmed. I think uh, Dave actually was talking about that, either him or Brian. One of the one of the big guys. Uh, that that's going to be basically her kind of redoing herself. They cut a good promo on Raw. Um, I'm still curious of where the hell it's going. And the rumor now is that Finn Balor might be involved. And basically Finn will, will help AJ uh, against Damian Edge. It'll le- lead to a tag match. This is this is more rumor. But this, the rumor is. And then Finn will fuck over AJ uh, throughout the course of it. And, you know, maybe if he's not fully the demon, bring more of that aspect out. Uh, along with Damian Priest and Edge. I'm still not... I love Edge as a heel. I think Edge is one of the best heels of his time period. I, I really do. I think that, you know, very devious and, and, and fucking full of himself and just, you know, that whole era. But, like, now it's... I don't know if he's trying to go for Jake Roberts or Kevin Sullivan or Taker. It's not Taker. It's not. But it's dark. But I'm I'm just... I'll give it some time. I thought this was a really good match. But... I, I think that what took me out of it with two great wrestlers is the fact that I don't know. I just, I, it wasn't as believable with edge and I think edge is great, but you know, I'll have to see where it goes now that the faction is getting formed, I guess. what do you think, Chris? I mean, for me, edge is great as the rated R superstar. Yeah. Who's a complete dick asshole that will attack you from behind and not, like he's not a leader of a group kind of thing. He's more just all his own kind of wild card that does rated R things in quotations, like winning a title by cheating and then having a sex party with Lita in the ring or marrying Eddie Guerrero's wife to get, or make being a couple with Eddie Guerrero's wife to (laughs) piss off Rey Mysterio. He's like that kind of heel. What this comes off to me is great value House of Black. Um, so if that's what they're going for, then I guess they nailed it. I I don't really care about this version of Edge at all. And uh, also, I think this match went a little too long. Like most of Edge's big matches coming back, maybe with the exception of the Roman-Brian Danielson match, which Brian Danielson did most of the work in. Um Edge has not had a match as good as Christian so far since his return. And I will defend that with multiple examples to anyone that wants to talk to me about it on Twitter. Um, no, I, I think that's fair. Not... I thought his match with Seth Rollins in the Hell in the Cell was really good. Um, but then again, Edge is also not babysitting a dinosaur and a little man at ringside, taking the place of Marco Stunt. <laughs> well, that's true. But now he's running... Great value House of Black. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, you, you say great value House of Black, but apparently from what Malachi said a long time ago, Edge had Malachi in mind for something kind of like this. And then he went and did it. I don't know. Brody Lee decided to make a comment and then backtracked and said, I was just kidding everyone, basically saying that same statement. This is fucking Edge. <laughs> <laughs> One is Malachi Black, which I love Malachi, and Brody King, and Buddy Matthews. So, 
yeah. Yeah, to me, it's I mean, a big I guess, difference. like, I, I, yeah, it is. And, like, with Finn Balor, if he is going to get involved with this group and play a darker version of himself, more of the problem is that they killed the demon in, like, a really bad way with the red <laughs> lighting and the heart boat and the ropes collapsing by themselves. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's going to be hard to come back from. Now, as far as the match, I think it went a little long. There was some really cool spots. Uh, Edge has this thing where he's be- trying to become a great submission wrestler <laughs> at this stage in his career. Yeah. And this has been his last few matches <laughs> where, <laughs> especially the one with Miz, this one wasn't as bad, but the one with the one that he had with Miz, uh, this back and forth submission stuff, it just doesn't flow correctly with Edge. I don't know. It always gets put in weird spots in the matches. Uh, but I mean, it was, it was a good match, especially for night two, which I actually had more hope for night two. I thought edge and AJ would come out, have a good 15 minute match, very fast paced. I mean, we didn't even really get a finish, you know, it it was to set up an angle. I mean, AJ got fucked over. Basically we did get the cool spear out of midair. Um, I don't want to. It was a good match, but it's. I expected more from these two. I guess I'm just like, if Christian can do it, why can't Edge do it? <laughs> it's like, like you get. Christian had Kenny Omega, and they had a fucking absolute banger. They just gave you the WWE equivalent to Kenny Omega, and this was not that. And they gave you yeah. basically the same amount of time. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um. Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I'm intrigued, but I'm I'm at the the concept too where it's like we'll just have to find out. But uh, this next match was fucking a minute and forty seconds long. Sheamus and Rich Holland defeated the New Day. The be- the the funniest thing was that it looked like Butch was the most intimidating person, a part of his group, by like just acting like needing to get held back and shit like that. Like let me at him. Poor poor, poor fucking Pete Dunne has become. British newsboy scrappy do basically. Um, this is they. I'm sure this match is supposed to be longer than that, but they really fought because of what night one to get on here. They couldn't give him a longer match on the pre-show or anything like that, and they gave him a less than two minutes squash match to put over the heels. Thanks for coming, New Day. Hey. I don't. I think you just muted yourself, buddy. Yeah, sorry. Uh, my mute button fucked up there for a second on Skype. So apologies. Uh, so wouldn't this have been better if they just came out and cut a promo and set up the match for Raw and actually had a match that wasn't this? Yeah. I know that it's important to have New Day at WrestleMania. I did like that they came out wearing Big E singlets, <laughs> essentially. Um, but they just got their ass whipped. Like, that was it. Uh, Kingston hit a trouble in paradise, but after that, it was pretty much game over for Woods and and Kofi Kingston, which I guess Woods is no longer King Woods. He is just Xavier Woods again. We're back to that. I don't even know anymore, man. Ugh. I mean, if it's only if this is going to be two minutes, then just they've done it in the past. Just move it to raw. 
and like cut a promo for it have the new day do a promo or something or here's the thing you guys have two hour pre-shows for each night can i have one fucking wrestling match on that nothing or the fact that you had your intercontinental title fucking uh match with ricochet somehow beating both members of los tharios in a ladder match and your U.S. champion and your NXT champion were in the fucking Andre the Giant Battle Royal. But it's important to have certain things on here. Like a mouse Which trap. Was, and that was on SmackDown. That wasn't even on <laughs> Mania, right? Yeah, yeah that was so, SmackDown. WrestleMania SmackDown or whatever the fuck they called it. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, so I... I that match is not even worth really talking about because it was a it was pretty much a squash. Um, uh, I don't know. Well, you know I what re- match is worth talking that about? Sucked. <laughs> What's that? The Pat McAfee Austin Theory match, which might have been my favorite match on this, which I said could be could be a stealer, but I really didn't know if that was going to be possible. They had less than ten minutes, but they still put on a damn good match, Pat. Did the exact same spot in front of no people during the pandemic era with Adam Cole in front of this many fucking people. And my whole thing back then was like, God, if that if there was an audience, that would have been fucking awesome. And he had a big audience for this one. So it's they're on. He's about to do a superplex. He gets knocked around by Austin Theory. He does the backflip moonsault, falls on his feet, charges Austin Theory, jumps up onto the top ropes and gives him a superplex. Uh, this match was just really good, paced well. I was really happy for both these guys. We have Vince come out at the beginning to introduce Austin Theory, doing his little strut. Uh, he would be at ringside throughout this. And, um, yeah, it was a good match. Uh, and then it ended. And then some hijinks. All right, so if you wanted to have something like this, I really don't understand the point of surprises for WrestleMania when you're trying to get, and what did they have, like 76 one night and 77 is what they reported for the amount of people out of 80,000 at the stadium they were at. And you're trying to get people to buy this. If you definitely had Cody coming, if you definitely had Austin coming, and if you couldn't put a stip, like a manager stipulation, like Pat McAfee, Starts going back with Vince McMahon. I was like, all right, if I beat your boy, how about I whoop your ass right afterwards? You know, I get you in the fucking ring for five minutes. And, you know, Vince all bodes up and stuff like that. Like, you're on. Like, you don't want to do any of that advertising. You just want to. All right, whatever. Fuck it. But um, he had a match. I guess you could call it that with Pat McAfee. Pat had a match with his fucking arms being out. Because that's how he did clotheslines. He just had his arm, and then Pat would go and take a bump, and there was a lot of distractions and interference from Austin Theory. And uh, Vince, how did he beat him? It was really stupid. I don't even remember. But yeah, Vince McMahon beat Pat McAfee after he had probably the best match with Austin Theory at WrestleMania. (laughs) And then, of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin's music hits. Vince gulps. He comes out, stuns Austin Theory. Wants to share a beer at Vince. My God, I'm so glad that on Monday Night Raw they had it segmented right. So it didn't look as horrible as it did. 
and um, Austin goes to give him a stunner. Vince, when he kicks him in the gut, almost falls on his ass. You know, Austin's trying to, like, get him back up. He falls backwards. It's like he's doing a rope-a-dope combo, like, like fucking Muhammad Ali used to do back in the day. But he just goes back against the ropes, gets hit by the stunner, and then falls backwards on his legs. It's like they've turned into jello. I mean, the guy is 77 years old. He looks great for his age, but he really did look like an old man. And the first stunner they took from Austin was terrible. Most of the ones after it were terrible. And this was probably the worst right at the end. And Austin's just laughing at that point. Like, he can't help but laugh, like, just at how terrible he botched it. And so he's done, and then he gets Pat McAfee to come in. I love Austin Theory's bump. It was very Shawn Michaels against Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam, just all over the place. But then Pat McAfee, I thought, had, like, more of a Scott Hall, just a straight-up, like, hits him, falls back, beer spews out right when he hits the ground. Um... And yeah, that's 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 it. That was uh, it. But I thought that Pat and Austin had a great match. I loved Stone Cold coming out at the end. Some of the stuff in the middle I could have done without. But, you know, Vince has his new documentary coming out. The last segment when this was all rumored was supposed to this was supposed to be recording of this last confrontation with Austin and him in the ring one last time. So he can end it the way that. He wants the fucking Netflix documentary to end. And honestly, it looks like that was real. So there you go. <laughs> I, I love that Pat came out the Seven Nation Army and then the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders came out with him. That was a pretty cool moment. Um, there was some cool stuff. Like he hit a, a back elbow and a Hurricane Rana right off the rip and a, got a near fall. Um, it's it's crazy how much actually happened in this match, especially because like Pat won by a fucking schoolboy because it's WWE and why not, right? And then the crowd went absolutely ape shit, and then that set up all the stuff you just said with McMahon and Austin. And Jesus Christ, there's been a lot of bad stunner bumps, but this one was pretty bad. I mean, I guess Austin gave him a little bit too hard of a boot. I have no idea what happened, or McMahon was trying to back up, so he didn't bump, or I, I don't know what happened on the first one. At least at least he didn't kick him in the dick like he did at a Raw 25 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Austin tried to get him off, and then he hits this terrible fucking stunner, and then you could tell Stone Cold couldn't contain himself anymore because he probably had himself a couple Steve Weisers. Uh I love that he gave Pat, you know, he gave everyone a stunner. Good stone cold shit. It would have been great if he had called in another announcer and gave them a stunner too. Uh, one of the one of my favorite moments of the match though was uh, when they were on the outside and Pat picks up the heads. The, he picks up the heads, the announcing headset, and starts talking shit while he's just slamming Theory's head on the <laughs> desk. I was like, that's it's pretty good. He's like commentating on his own match. This is pretty solid. Austin Theory did a great job here in this match, and and Pat continues to impress whenever they call upon him to have a match. It's good stuff. And Vince and, McMahon uh, is I also uh, Vince McMahon got a win though. That's the thing, <laughs> thing that I think will be forgotten about is that Vince McMahon actually won this by kicking a football into Pat's head. That was the oh my god, that's how it happened. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. He hit him. He didn't even hit him in the head. He hit him in, like, the fucking chest. He was trying to do a fucking punt to the head. God damn, that was so fucking just ridiculous. That's pro wrestling. That's all I got to say. Vince McMahon in the ring at 78. <laughs> trying to have a match with Pat McAfee and him having to bump running into his old man arms. Oh, Lord. But, uh, yeah. Good stuff. Um, let's go to the main event. Kind of already talked about it. We had Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, with Paul Heyman in his corner, going against Brock Lesnar, the WWE Champion. Uh, this is going to be for all the marble. Winner takes all to form the Undisputed Champion. And uh, I thought they were doing really good. This was 12 minutes and 15 seconds. It just seems like. All right, so. I can't find any info with whether or not, like, actually, like, everyone's saying there's been speculation or we have heard that Roman, you know, hurt his arm, blah, blah, blah. And you saw the pictures. Um, it looked like a muscle just completely knotted in his arm. You know, we're hearing separated shoulder, but. And the commentary team was kind of talking about that, especially when he said it to Paul Heyman. But then I couldn't tell if he was being serious about it because Paul Heyman was acting like he normally would act. Like, oh, my God, my tribal chief. So I had I, I didn't know. But like seeing after the Kimura, how his arm looked. Maybe like and 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 Cornette thought like him and Brian Lash were talking about it. They were like, that's not a separated shoulder. That's. That looks like he might have, like, you know, if not separated, like, fucked up his bicep or tricep. Well, Roman Reigns, or on Raw, he beats Brock Lesnar, very much out of nowhere with a spear to the back, uh, like I said, in 13 minutes. And it looked like it was rushed. Like, the Kimura happened, he was complaining about his arm, and then there was a little bit of talk back and forth. He talked to Paul Heyman. And then he spears him out of nowhere, gets a three count. So it looked very rushed. On Monday Night Raw, it, Chris, you didn't get to see us, but um, Roman comes in out at the end, and we all thought he was going to let us know who the fucking next person was, and he was basically like, I'm so great, Brock sucks. Do you want to know who I'm going to go against? Well, you have to tune in to watch SmackDown. And that's how they ended the fucking show. One of the most lackluster, besides Cody's promo, Monday Night Raw, the Raw After Mania, one of the most lackluster Raw After Manias. Honestly, I haven't seen a really great Raw After Mania in a long time. Maybe not make a big deal of it. Or, here's an idea, don't do it in the same town because now it seems like everyone gets tickets to everything and they're exhausted by this fucking event. Um, so, yeah. At least those guys get to see a Kevin Owens versus Cody match on the... Uh, on the dark match afterwards, but I would have been pissed if Roman just came out and was like, hey, so what am I doing? Do you guys think Brock Lesnar's going to come out? Or is Bobby Lashley going to attack me? Maybe Cody's going to come say something. No, none of that's going to happen. I'm not going to even tell you what the fuck I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you to watch SmackDown to find out. Do you think that they're prolonging anything because there might be something serious going on in fucking Roman's arm? Well, I mean, you made that comment that he may have either separated his shoulder or torn something. And that was my exact response is like, well, he's the tribal chief and he has control over his contract and Paul Ham Heyman's his adversaries. So they can kind of put off 
any match that he would have. So I don't know it necessarily hurts this unless he's going to be out for like three or four months or something. Um, they should be able to just delay it until they're ready for him to have the next big match or, or whatever they want to set up. Like he can set up without having having to really have any kind of matches in between here via the Usos and Paul Heyman and, and just promos if they do it right. So, yeah, I, you know, if, if he's hurt, that's the route they're probably going to go. Uh, as far as the match went, they're, I mean, let the Lesnar took his gloves off at the beginning of this match, and I was like, man, is he going to try to open Roman Hardway? And then it never came into the match at all. I was like, well, why do you even bother taking his gloves off? I will Chris, say that. The weirdest thing is what was what was said by Brock constantly in every promo leading up to this because Roman split him open in Masked Square Garden. He said, "I want your blood." He's literally split open people, including Roman, in the last time they went against each other at WrestleMania. He fucking busted him open hard way, and there was no blood in this at all. Yeah, and I'm assuming that's because the match got cut short. Because didn't Lesnar Had also get hurt in this match? He uh, he seriously bruised one of his ribs. Right. So, I mean, this they played Paul Heyman into this like we kind of thought they would if they wanted to keep the belt on Roman. There's that one great spot where Lesnar's got Heyman cornered and Heyman just keeps repeating, I love you. I love you. Please take me he back. He made I'm me so do sorry. it. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, that was a distraction. That led through that spear to the barricade where it seems like everybody got fucked, fucked up. But I mean, it was, it was good. I mean, it's exactly what I expected that match to be. Unfortunately, they got hurt. I think I thought this may have went a little longer. Maybe they had more planned for it. Um, I kind of wanted Lesnar to win just for a change of pace, but I have no problem with Roman retaining. Now I'm just wondering when does he drop it. <laughs> That's the question. He's got plenty of opponents, but when is Roman going to drop that title? I guess it depends on if Cody's able to get himself over or not. <laughs> at least yeah, with the, it, <laughs> at least in the minds of WWE. Yeah, because all the people that I just said about, you know, Riddle, he's in a tag team, not ready for, I don't think, the championship. Um, Solo Sokoa, Braun Breaker, all of them, they're in fucking X. XT still, they probably need to be seasoned there. Um, Montez Ford's still in a tag team. Gable Stevenson is going to be joining and had some interaction throughout the whole entire thing, but we got to find out that's a work in progress. Omos is definitely not someone you want the title on yet. I'll even admit that. So, yeah, it's got to be like Cody, Seth, uh, Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. Some, some, someone out of those fucking guys, basically. Like, yeah, and it, it would, it's not going to be Lashley for a while. Yeah, that's a good point. And even if Lashley, when he comes back, he's going to want to go after Omos first. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Ron I, Breaker. I, Cody might be. <laughs> it, it might be Rick Steiner's kid, or it might be Dusty's kid that gets that title off, off of him. Yeah, but I, I mean, I like your idea of. Cody having to win money in the bank and they, I don't know. It just depends on if they're going to let someone beat Roman clean or not. If not, I would assume that it drops when whoever wins money in the bank. 
Has anyone ever used the money in the bank briefcase to come out and knock the guy in the back of the head and then cash in? I'm sure. Didn't the Miz do that when he won his belt? Possibly. I don't know. I don't want to say. Or have, have used it. I mean, I know there's people that's used it as a weapon and then started a matchup. So I would I would think so. But I don't know. You're going to need more than a briefcase to take out Roman. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Brock just suplexed him 15 times in this match and that didn't hurt him. So I don't know if the briefcase is going to do much. <laughs> Even in the wrestling world, I don't know the briefcase can do much damage. Unless you fill it with like cinder, like bricks or something, that'd be interesting. No one's ever done that. <laughs> Load the briefcase up, then hit him with it. I know who needs to beat Roman. Who's that? Kazuchika Okada. <laughs> I hope Cody was putting over Okada from their match, uh, telling a story about him and Steve Austin from New Japan. He's talking about how good of a worker he is. And I'm like, dude, get in fucking Vince's ear about that shit. Just be like, we need Okada. We we need him. It's important. Because, I mean, what the fuck else is Okada going to do? He's going to drop the title to someone else they're going to try to, like, go with, and then it's not going to work out and it's going to get back on him. <laughs> Unless they actually give Naito a run that's not <laughs> during COVID. Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or maybe but, Nino, yeah, man. I don't know. Jay, Jay White's out there. He could he could have another title run. I think that, you know, he was at the top of his game before all of the COVID protocols and stuff happened in Japan. He started working over here. He is signed there still. Maybe he's the next guy to take the title back and have a heel run as the Blade Runner if we're talking about New Japan stuff. But, yeah, Okada versus Reigns. I mean, I think that's a match a lot of people would like to see. It's just a weird clash. It's a weird clash of styles, but it's also Okada. So, it, and Paul Heyman would be booking the match, and I'm sure it would be really fucking good. Yep. Well, all in all, WrestleMania was a lot of fun. A lot of great matches. My favorite wasn't on the actual WrestleMania card, but they also had some great matches on this. And honestly... This might have been my favorite WrestleMania in like five years. I was trying. I went over them and I can't remember which one I came back to, where I was like very happy by the end of it. And was like, look, there were some issues, but I know they had two nights too. But by and large, good WrestleMania. And honestly, let's keep it off of Sundays. Keep put it on Saturdays. Maybe start it a little bit earlier, like you know, so it doesn't go in trail into midnight. But just have one semi longer. There was so much fat. They not so much, but there was cut fat from Monday from both nights. They could have trimmed and had just one night of good matches. It's I'm sorry, not everyone needs to be on WrestleMania every fucking year. It should be the best matches, and they put more and more matches on, and now it's two nights, and I think it's too much. Have it back to one night. Do it on Saturday so I can drink and not have to worry about it the next day. God damn. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on who you are, but like out of the past 10 years, my favorite WrestleMania has been WrestleMania 30, which is the Daniel Bryan run to the title uh, where he has to beat Triple H and Batista and Randy Orton in the same night. Some good Great matches one. on there. Brock, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. You have John Cena and, and Bray Wyatt. Cesaro uh, wins the giant. Uh, Andre the Giant Memorial, and you have uh, the Shield. 
versus Kane and the New Age Outlaws for some reason. It's a weird fucking card, but it was a really, really, really fun WrestleMania. That's the one to beat for me in the past 10 years. This one was really good, and it comes close just because Stone Cold Steve Austin had a match on it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's definitely going to put you up there. But either way, WrestleMania is done. Um, anything from AEW Dynamite that we didn't talk to that you want to talk about? I mean, obviously FTR Young Bucks killed it. Young Bucks did the right thing, and uh, good shit all around for that. I hope we get more interaction with them and the Briscoes. We already talked about that. Um, we had a good match with Christian and Adam Cole to start out with. Wardlow tried to destroy a bunch of security people again to get the MJF, so they're still doing that, and Sean Spears lost his match because of all the distraction. And then Owen Hart, the women's... Who are the two women that advance? I don't. I, I think that's about it, man. Well, Samoa Joe killed Max Caster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After Max Caster said some stupid shit talking about jerking off in towels and stuff. Jesus. Hardy's beat the Butcher and the Blade in the tables match. That was a and fun tag match. You say fun. I thought that was atrocious. Ugh. I thought it was fine. How the hell is someone going to get eliminated and then still be a part of the match and then cause the other person to get eliminated later on? Where the fuck is the logic in that? Wasn't it an elim- elimination match? I don't remember That's, that. Maybe yeah, they, they, they kept on saying each person has to be taken out and eliminated through the tables. And then Jeff got put through one at the beginning and then came on and did a swan time bomb to put the other person through it. I don't know. That's a no DQ match because it's a tables match, right? No one can be eliminated from a no DQ match. That doesn't even make any sense. (laughs) I guess I was just like, hey, Jeff Hardy put two guys through tables. That was fun. (laughs) I met Hardy with that. Just like Edge on the fucking apron suplex, you should not be suplexing Matt Hardy from the crowd on top of the barricade onto the fucking, like, my God, dude, I don't want to see these guys get, like, hurt or anything. But, hey, Adam Cole and fucking Christian killed it. Christian finally had another match, and he lost, but it was a good match against Adam Cole. And he got distracted, so it wasn't his fault, sort of. Yeah, Hakura Shida beat the shit out of Julia Hart, which we still don't know what's going on with her. But now she's trying to gouge people's eyes out. So I guess she's, she's still in that match. Poor, yeah. poor Shida had a fucking power lifter because <laughs> she couldn't put herself up in suplexes twice. She literally had to fucking use all of her strength to get her the fuck up. Terrible. Ugh. I guess she's still trying to be part of the House of Black, or are we still with the eye patch? She did try to put Sheeta's eye out during this match. so She's going to be their Luna Vachon, I'm telling you. She'll be great just like Luna, too. Uh. <laughs> but, I mean, we already talked about the uh, the big match of the night, which was the, the FTR versus uh, the Young Bucks match. And like I said, I would say this was slightly below the uh, full gear match that they had previously. This lovingly the, the called reason. fist fist versus feet. <laughs> well, that was that was a weird match because Dax and especially Cash were doing a bunch of fucking high flying shit in that first one. But it was so weird because that was, I think, a better match. But this one was actually in front of an audience, which was nice. 
And in this one, FTR are the baby faces, and Young Bucks are definitely the heels. So it was very strange, but it was still a great match. Great. Like I said, FTR had two really awesome matches back-to-back. I'm happy for them. And uh, I know that Red Dragon and fucking Bucks are going to, like, come to, to to blows soon. But I'd like to see either a third match or a match between, hopefully, the Briscoes and those two teams. If you can't do the Briscoes, Red Dragon's a fine replacement, but let's have some tag teams beaten. Well, you know, it's LA Prime Powerful are going to be in a fucking tag team championship match. I mean, they're still in a fucking storyline with Jericho, and they're not even in this fucking stupid group anymore. So, Eddie Kingston <laughs> definitely threatened some motherfucker saying, I know where you live. He told Daniel Garcia, bitch, I know where you live. I'll show up at your house. <laughs> Crazy asshole. Jesus Christ. I, uh, favorite moment from that FTR match is when they hit the uh, BTE trigger and they gave Matt a kiss and then hit him with a big rig. <laughs> that was pretty cool. This is pretty funny. I like, I, I like how Matt, Matt was, was, was fucking defiant towards the end, though, and spitting both of their faces. And they're like, okay, motherfucker. <laughs> like, that, just great stuff. Those guys have great chemistry. Them and the Briscoes have great chemistry, too. So, I don't know. Yeah, That's it. It's a, uh, it's, it was, was a great match. And uh, I don't know, man. Motor City Machine Guns are out there. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> we want some good tag matches. Maybe they yeah, can man. go against the Briscoes next. Why not? Let's do that. I'm down for that. If he, if he just grabs the Briscoes, Thrills of Destiny, and Motion Machine Guns, fuck. I guess the Good Brothers too, but those ones more, more so. I would say. He could just start an entire show that's all tag team wrestling. And if it's those guys, I'd watch it. And it'd be really good. Oh, and yeah, if you combine it with who they have. Besides the Bucks, <laughs> Red Dragon, Prime Powerful, fucking FTR. I mean, Lucha Jesus. Bros. Lucha Bro- yeah, the Lucha Brothers, fucking the Jurassic Express, all of them. Good we need a tag tournament, damn it. We need a tournament. That's what it always comes down to. We need a good tag tournament, too, like a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket or a point-based system so that we get to see all these matches. <laughs> yeah, New Japan style. style with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make this thing last for months. That way we get to see combinations of all these tag teams for a while. I'd be so down with that. Me too. And you said make it last for months. And if we had Blue Chew as an option, I would have done an advertisement just now, but we don't. So instead of that, this is the end of the show, guys. <laughs> Hope you guys had a great time listening to us banter about. What happened with WrestleMania weekend and the shows? Uh, we're not going to be having a, a show going over SmackDown and uh, and Rampage because that's tomorrow night for us, and I'm sure we'll be able to talk about anything big that happens the next time we get together. Um, but yeah, that was WrestleMania. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Like always, say goodbye to all the lovely people. Plug whatever you want to plug, and uh, you know, give them your handles. Handle with care. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at Chris R. Patton. On Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton. And uh, as always, Dane, great show, man. Thanks for having me. I would never do it without you. 
my 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 good friend. Unless I have to those couple times where I did it by myself, and then I don't have a voice afterwards. It's not as fun. Anyways, you guys don't care about that. Join us every week if you're a new listener. We do this once a week. You usually do it on Saturdays. Have it released by Sunday or Monday. A little different this time because of WrestleMania weekend, but we're on every platform downloadable from iTunes to Stitcher to Spotify, SoundCloud. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You'll find us. You can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter or DaneAlves on Instagram or Facebook. Hit me up. Let's talk about this stuff. You guys have a wonderful evening. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out. All right, it won't let me stop recording, so I just got to hang up. (laughs) All right, dude, I'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. I'll put it together tomorrow. Sounds good, broski. See you, Bruce. Peace out.